Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of the Bastard News Radio Show on the Bastard News Radio Network at WCOM in Carborough and Chapel Hill, North Carolina. L.A. Bachelor, glad you could be with us today. 
and be a part of this bad boy, this broadcast. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line if you have a question or comment. Also hit us up in the chat room if you're online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA hyphen bachelor. Uh, or Pad Nation on Facebook, Pad Nation 2, that's the number 2 at Twitter, LA Bachelor at Instagram. Lots of ways you can get to us. As I bring in my guest, good to have him on again. He is the voice of mankind. Um, good to, to, to come on and bring some different perspectives on, on things that are going on in this society. He is Avneet Singh. And Mr. Singh, always good to have you on, sir. I hope all is well with you and your family. Thank you. Yes, thank you for having me on, and great to be here. So we have this situation in this country, unemployment at, at, at all-time highs uh, due to COVID-19, of course, and, and people are either out of work because they're sick, the, the business is shut down because of the virus, or people are just afraid that maybe they don't even have, you know, uh, care for their children. So there's a lot of reasons because of the virus that are shutting it down and, and unemployment numbers and, and people falling for it are just uh, insane right now. Uh, but you, you talk about uh, the UBI, the Universal Basic Income. How does that work, especially in the midst of this this unemployment um, uh, fiasco this, this, with so many millions of Americans are filing at this time? Absolutely, yeah, that's a great question, and I think this is the perfect time to talk about it because people are going through, uh, or as as a, as a as a community, we're going through high un- unemployment, economic uncertainty, and there's a, there is calls for the government to help the people in in whatever way they can. So that's where universal basic income comes in. It's 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 basically a program that can provide financial security to the to to the public and reduce their anxiety and stress about the future uh, and i think this is a perfect time to talk about it because it's it's really you know this is in in a way you know it's like you know just before the elections is there was the you know the, there's going to be calls to throw money at the problem we already had the three trillion dollar cares act um we have had you know unemployment checks coming in we had money pumped into the Wall Street. Um, so there's there's money being thrown around to fix the problem. Uh, so I think it's just a good time to talk about UBI and and how it can help us. So explain what it is. It's a, it's a fixed monthly income, and how would that differ from someone filing for a UI claim? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Let's break down the name. That's the commonly you known. It's 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 a uh, you know UBI. It's like universal basic income. So the first thing is it's universal. So it, everybody gets it. It's not like unemployment insurance where you have to qualify and you're tested and you're verified. So the universal basic income is something that every person and child, give of their financial status, gets the same amount. Uh, and it's basic, you know, universal basic income. It's it's not enough to live on, but it's enough to cover your basic needs. So you won't go hungry. If you're a family of three or four, you will have just enough to live on, have a roof over your head, and you won't go hungry, and you have enough to pay your, your basic utilities. 
So it's it's absolute basic income. It's not the kind of money that people want to live on for a long enough time, but it's just enough to cover your very basic needs. So you ask the question, how does it differ from UI? The fundamental difference is that universal basic income is not means tested, and that is very important because you don't have to qualify it once it's you know once the program is launched. If it's launched, everybody will 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 get it and the advantage of this is that it cuts down on the massive government bureaucracy that runs the various government programs um so there is more money available to give to the people just joining us we're talking with Abneet Singh of course from the voice of mankind so you know one of the things that you mentioned you know Either side, but typically conservatives and Republicans uh, that don't want to spend. We saw the so-called Freedom uh, Caucus come in, and they were supposed to do that. Now everybody's spending, Abney, both sides. Everybody's spending. Nobody cares about spending uh, or trying to save anymore. But but those little code words or those keywords tend to uh, not only throw people off, but the, the 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 opposition of what you say may have will use it. That word universal. Well, they used it with uh, former President Barack Obama. Universal health care. They've been saying that. Oh my God, the boogeyman. No, we can't do this universal. We we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go broke. We can't just give out all this all this free health care. This is crazy. So that word universal. Are you concerned with that? And how do you fund UBI? I mean, because again, there's another word funding all of this, you get these so-called politicians that, once again, don't really care about spending nowadays, are going to say, well, right. okay, who's going to pay for it? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, two things. One is I'll talk about the name. You're right. You know, UBI is a commonly known name, but, you know, Andrew Yang, who was the presidential candidate, he used the word freedom dividend, and that didn't get him really far either. So I don't think it's it's uh, it's about the name. Uh, you know, we can always invent a nicer one, but it's. Uh, I think the the real opposition that people have, or the res- resistance they have, is the you know people tend to think that I'm gonna end up with higher taxes to pay for someone else right. to get free money, and that is not the case because you know one is it's gonna be funded, uh, and we'll talk about how that is because once you understand how it's gonna be funded, you realize you don't end up paying any extra tax. So the working people, the people who are already working, they don't end up paying anything extra, and that is the key. Um, so how does it get funded? Uh, so that is, again, a billion, maybe a trillion dollar question. And the good example I found was a study done by Georgetown University where they estimated um, that you know, UBI could cost about $500 billion a year. And that is a lot less than most government programs like you know, UI uh, because it's, it's a replacement for several programs because once you have – uh, UBI, you will need less of the other programs that government has, and, and they are very inefficient. So the second source of funding is going to be from the uh, royalties from the mining, oil exploration, uh, so many ways that the government makes money. So uh, a, a good example of this is the Alaskan um, uh, I think it's an Alaska dividend program, which is basically uh, the royalty that's 
paid uh, by the private developers and the mining companies to the to the government. So part of it, or one fourth of it, goes into a separate fund, which is invested and that is used to pay out uh, yearly dividends in the form of UBI. So it will be, you know, uh, it's got, they call it the permanent fund dividend in Alaska. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's you know the key to this is is it's, it's closely at the numbers, um, you know because you know there are a lot of studies that look into that. But it's you know the question we need to ask ourselves is do we have the political will and what are our values? Uh, and we'll talk about that why that's important. But it's, it's it's less about the numbers and finding the money. It's and it's a lot cheaper than any stimulus act that's been recently passed. You know, one of the uh, I saw the the information on uh, the Georgetown study and how it would replace you know other uh, benefits such as we've been talking about the unemployment uh, benefits. Republicans don't want to give much of any unemployment. So again, you, as you said, if this is going to cost five hundred thirty-nine billion dollars. That's a drop in the bucket to the trillions of dollars we're spending now anyway. So you're right. But what about those who are, again, it, it, it's going to come down to some politics, those progressives that feel like, um, you know, the rich get too many tax breaks, they get too much of everything, because it's mentioned that, you know, this this is not just for the poor, is for middle-income working families to save and invest. But I would one would think, though, that those Donald Trump types, those one percenters that may not need it would maybe find a way to get some kind of tax break or something out of it. Is that a loophole that would concern you, or is that not a possibility? Not, not really. I mean, if, if you're a multimillionaire, a few a thousand dollars a month doesn't make much difference to you. But I think more important than that is to understand that UBI is not just for the poor. It's also for millions of us who are working uh, and, and don't have much savings. I think there's a study uh, around that's frequently you know, quoted is like, you know, most of uh, Americans, I think maybe 50 to 60 percent of Americans will struggle to come up with $500. So most of us don't have any savings and we don't have enough. uh, We don't do enough for our children and the next generation. We don't do anything to uh, to invest in the future. Um, And that is where UBI will help what I call the working poor. It's people who are working but do not save enough for a rainy day or for the children. So with UBI, they would have money coming in that they could invest, put it aside, go into a separate account, and they can invest it. So even if you're working, you're comfortably well off, you have a good enough life, use the money that comes in to build uh, build, build a savings a savings plan or, or, or um, something for your children. So it's not just for the the poor it's 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 helpful for the middle class and if you're a multimillionaire you know a few a thousand dollars isn't going to make any difference to you what is though what about so if if you if you how do you qualify for it and if you do if if it's if it's different from unemployment but it's a, a way to to help poor and middle class people and we're assuming that they're in a, a tight situation and paying their bills. 
and will they have just enough to pay all their bills or enough to to invest? I mean, how does it actually work in terms of qualifications yes. and, and who gets what? Yes, so everybody, because it's universal, everybody gets exactly the same amount. And that is very important. They say it's not means tested. So a millionaire gets exactly the same amount as a person who doesn't work and is homeless. And that is the key because the, one of the purpose of this is, is to avoid the massive, inefficient government bureaucracy that usually accompany such programs. And it also keeps the governments and the politicians away from manipulating it, from playing with it. So every person gets exactly the same amount you know you if you're a you know if you're a citizen in this country you just qualify for it and and and, and you get it so there's no bureaucracy around it and that 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 is the key to this but uh, two points just to follow up with that then again if if i if my rent or mortgage is a thousand dollars and somebody else is 500 and everybody gets 500 i'm still short so how do you how is it one size fit all and then the other one the other part of this is you said it keeps the politicians out of it but so who would control it who would distribute it what what uh, branch i guess of the government would handle that part well i mean that 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 is a good, good question and uh, it's uh, I, I don't know it's it's uh, it's uh, could be like you know who handles social security who handles unemployment so maybe it has to be a separate branch to go with the with the with the you know so that it's 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 a independent program it's a, it's the same way as we don't don't like politicians interfering in social security because we know they have their own vested interests and they and they and they destroy good programs so it would have some level of independence from from politicians so they don't uh it's the same as with the federal reserve you know you have lots of institutions as body that we are we expect it to be hands off from the politicians is that they cannot just go in and and change change, change it to suit their short-term goals um yeah that that's uh, but it's a good question i think it's uh, something we definitely we all need to think about right and you know it's it i i know you mentioned um uh, in in your info, uh, Andrew Yang, who of course we know um, ran for the uh, nomination for the Democratic Party for president, uh, and and some other CEOs are, are on board. Are, are they? Are you getting a sense that this is a really likable plan for these CEOs? And 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 the other part of it is, uh, again, my my only my concern is that if they if CEOs jump on board with this, sometimes they have a tendency to see what they can get out of it is uh, i'm not a big fan of the uh, trickle down effect trickle down and uh, economics as you know reagan economics and all that would they would we hope that ceos do the right thing and, and invest in their people and we know they don't so is there any concern about the ceos that want to get on board and if so uh, any ulterior motives there Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, this, this is, you know, you have to keep in mind, uh, UBI is not philanthropy. It's not uh, goodness of our heart. It's one, it's a share, uh, it's a people's share of the riches of the country. And the second part is which gets CEOs interested. And even Henry Paulson, who was the, uh, you know, the CEO at, at Goldman Sachs, uh, you right. know, he also publicly support, support, supported this. Um, and uh, and he was also um, 
I'm trying to for, uh, I forget what what his position was, but he was pretty much high up in the government as well. Uh, he also right. so they're not they're not doing it for for philanthropic reasons or for the goodness of their heart. The the you know the advantage of UBI is that it it brings in a lot more people into the fold of capitalism because once you have 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 money coming in people will go out and spend it on essential services they'll go out and buy essential goods they need uh, maybe they'll buy a phone and get on facebook or whatever uh, which is why probably the ceo of facebook supports it so the more people uh, that can jump into our uh, into you know our capitalist system the better so i think they do have a vested interest uh, but then you know it's a, it's a, it's a good interest in the sense they want to see more people participate in the in our in our country and its economy rather than live on the fringes and not having enough resources to buy essential goods and services yeah and i i guess you know that's 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 a a, a very important point that you meant the spending and that, and just specifically as me you know as an african american i know we spend quite a bit uh we we and don't we don't really take advantage of people of color really in general don't take advantage of the the political power that we have with the purse that we have when we go out and spend so this would be a very good strongest resistance would probably be the the government um or can you see um it may be at the 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 governor's levels the the you know the local levels anyone having an issue with the ubi plans yeah, it's likely going to be if it goes ahead, and eventually it will. It will likely be at the federal level because it's something. It's it's, it's going to be like social security. It's going to be at the federal level, and everybody gets it. Uh, so I, I don't think people at the at the governor or the local level will be will have uh, enough jurisdiction over it to interfere in it. But I want to just rewind back, uh, just take a step back. You know, you, you you mentioned especially for minorities and people of color, which include me. Um, this right. is very important because um, you know it's 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 a it's it's one step towards. Uh, social, I'm just choosing my words carefully, it's just one step towards racial and social justice because once you have uh, you know, there's three pillars to this once you have pulled, there are healthy, there are not afraid and have uh, resources, they can fight for social justice So, and traditionally justice has always been denied by keeping people afraid poor and sick so if we have universal health care, you have universal basic income, and we have, um, you know, we have uh, a police that does not, and a justice system that, that treats us fairly, you have much better chances of achieving social justice and, and, and harmony. So I think this is a crucial, you know, UBI is a very crucial fundamental, it's one of the three pillars that we can use to achieve harmony and social justice, which is what we want. So the other two are universal basic income, sorry, the universal healthcare and um, and 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 uh, and social justice through the through the police. So I think they're very important. You know, once you see it as part of a much bigger picture, you don't just see this uh, as an isolated component. Right, and you know, it's so it's it's well researched. It, we you have. Uh, um, the Georgetown 
studied, but it, it, I'm not sure if I did ask you this, but I, if I did, I do apologize. But is there any example or template at, at maybe it's a state level or, or one state did it or or even another country have uh, tried tried it? Ha, is there anything out there that we can use? And then is it going to be because, again, it's going to be political. You know that the, the other side is going to fight it. So is this something that will have to be lobbied? you know, in D.C. To, to try to put this in place? Absolutely, yeah, you, you're correct. It's going to okay. face the same amount of resistance as we got with universal uh, health care, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act is going to have the same level of resistance. And, next, and subsequent government, and even if we win, subsequent governments would be tempted to, uh, to, to, to dismantle it. So it's a fight that's never, uh, probably never going to end. Uh, but a, but to bring to to but a, but a good example of this is uh, is uh, is what was done in the town of Stockton here in California, where the mayor Michael Tubbs introduced a universal basic income program where they gave $500 a month to a group of residents, and they found very positive effects. So, for example, one of the example he publicly uh, mentioned was that it, it allowed individuals who had no money to take time off from work travel and get a much better job at a much higher pay so it helped another woman another woman to get uh, dental treatment so she could um, you know she could be you know disease free and could be happy and get into the you know get a job and start working again so i think it's you know it's this advantage this well documented advantages of universal basic programs pilot programs just here in california where people individuals have benefited from it and it's not just about you know giving people free money so that they can splurge it and even if they do it's the money goes into the economy right people go in they buy essential services they buy essential uh, essential uh, stuff that they need so it's it's uh, it's all good yeah and i i would think too uh Abdeet, that um the uh the the situation that the hardest part is in the language and and who who lobbies the best? The language being, if you know, uh, Republicans or others who don't want to um, do this, they hear universal, right. and they hear free, and and they'll sell that to their constituents, and that's a problem. And then that's when you have to really do the hard work and trying to get people to understand what's going on. But it's a great concept, like you said. Uh, I know Andrew Yang; that was his platform when he was running. Uh, for right. president, just giving that money, not free money, is put you, you actually put you give it to them, they spend it. Unlike CEOs who keep it, people are going to spend it. We need to spend it. We're the hardworking middle class, you know, uh, lower uh, poor that we're going to try to do it to to to, to help our families. So, I'm hoping that um, this is something that uh, really can work. Uh, and right. and final yeah, question for you: key. Are you? Go ahead. Yeah, I think the the key key to this is 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 to see this as a component uh, of our you know in something in our arsenal to achieve social justice. Because if we just see it as as a, as something that's isolated on its own, you don't really see its value. But when you see it as as an, along with universal uh, health care, 
and social justice uh, uh, with the with the police and our justice systems. If you see the, the, it along, you know, those those three things together, you see how powerful they are in achieving harmony and, ra and and racial and social justice in this country. So once you see it, you just elevate it to something much, much bigger than just giving, you know, a few hundred dollars to people to, to, to as, as free money. It's a lot bigger than that. Right. And, you know, you, you hit on something earlier when you said, look, we want equality. You, equality starts with that money. Um, because, you know, we, we, once we have the, the, uh, the influence of that and we have people of color, especially understand the power that they have of the purse, then, then we can seek to, to push forward to get the, the equal justice that, uh, we deserve. And, and we can sit on these political platforms and, and, and force out these bad, um, uh, Apples in the police departments and agencies across the country, et cetera, the politicians as well. So um, I thank you for this. We're going to do a follow-up on this uh, with you, Abnate. I will uh, email you off air. But again, God bless. Be careful, you and your family. We'll talk with you soon, Absolutely. sir. Absolutely. Look forward to it, and thank you for having me on. Thank you. Abnate Singh, always good to have him on. Of course, he is the... Uh, Voice of Mankind. He is the founder of Voice of Mankind. You can go Google that. Check out his work. Uh, it's a it's a think tank, very uh, provocative think tank, and they have a lot of great ideas, including this UBI, the Universal Basic Income. Look it up. Um, it's it's something that could work. Take a break and come back. It is the Bassett News Radio Show on the Bassett News Radio Network and WCOM in Carborough Chapel. Hill.
and great day, everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network. back to the show we thank you for joining us and uh, if you missed any of our broadcast make sure that you go to our website the bachelor news.airtime.pro the bachelor news.airtime.pro and you can catch this broadcast at 8 a.m and 3 p.m eastern standard time uh the bachelor news.airtime.pro back to the phones uh she's an education consultant of a program called local heroes uh and it's good to have her on everybody uh, a lot of the uh school districts around the country are having their schools their kids um you know learn online it's been frustrating for teachers it's been frustrating for the some of the students a lot of that of course because of COVID-19 here to talk about it is Jita Raj uh, on the line for the first time and listen uh, ma'am I really appreciate you coming on this evening to the Bachelor News Radio Show. Thank you it's really um, really an honor to be here and speaking with you and um, and be be with you tonight. Absolutely. So what does the Local Heroes Program uh, do, and and what are you in terms of Define Education Consultant? Uh, Right. Um, So uh, the work that that I've been doing um, is I I started um, working in education uh, with an organization that I started called the Global Sleepover, and um, that that work has really been about um, teaching children about global cultures, multiculturalism, um, having kids, um, uh, teaching them in a fun and creative way about how they belong in their community and how they also belong in their global community globally. And so we've been working towards um, social emotional learning education, towards multicultural learning. Um, And we've used the hybrid approach now for 10 years, which is really this distance learning, um, online learning, but also in-person learning. And so what we have, oh, go ahead, sorry. No, no, uh, no, go ahead. So what we have created um, when COVID started and when education um, did become more online-based, we thought, okay, you know, the best approach that we've figured out, our best practices, is really a hybrid approach to online learning. It's very difficult to just have a student (laughs) sitting in front of a computer screen and teaching and learning um, distance uh, is is a completely different beast of its own. Uh, so um, we thought, well, you know, and if we can't have face-to-face instruction, can we do to supplement this to make this a more engaging experience for the student, a more engaging experience for teachers, something where um, where we can 
promote um, social studies learning. We can promote critical thinking, promote project-based learning um, in, a, in a creative way. And so what happened is we started to hear all these stories <clears throat> about um, communities coming together, you know, um, somebody sewing masks, somebody starting food distribution, people are, t are walking their dogs of medical workers that were working um, overtime in hospitals. And we just thought, you know, this is exactly what we've been wanting to portray is, um, is our community members um, being community heroes, being local heroes. And we saw these stories coming out in the U.S. and globally. So um, this has been the inspiration behind um, creating our Local Heroes Learning Program. So the, the Local Heroes uh, Program, it, it, how effective has it been? Do you have any um, statistics or any data to show thus far? And how, how much or how many districts have you been working with? That, that's a good question. So um, our our work in this hybrid approach, um, we have uh, variations of our programs and activities um, besides local heroes um, that are based in project-based learning. Um, and we have, we piloted the, these systems and tests for numbers of years. Um, and we've been working with uh, we work in now eight countries globally um, with numerous school districts, organizations, school systems, individuals, um, and then uh, other types of camp-based um, engagement. And so in terms of effectiveness, um, the, the real key has been the engagement component. So the something like the Local Heroes program, which we've developed, it's about storytelling. So children are learning about um, a topic that is of interest, is relevant through a story, but then we ask them to take that knowledge and um, engage with it in fun, project-based ways. So, you know, writing a story in, in return or doing an assignment that is a more creative assignment where they use the same knowledge and they're, they gain the same skills, um, but just in a fun way. So in that respect, um, our programs have been, we've seen 90% increase in everything from um, reading comprehension to social studies learning, to geography, to creativity, critical thinking, um, using this project-based approach. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Gita Raj. She's an education co consultant and pro program called Local Heroes Program here on the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network in WCOM in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I, I, I have to ask the other side of this, which is, sure. you know, you, it, and whenever you when people come up with great plans, there's always going to be opposition, and, and, and typically in this climate, political. Uh, you have a man occupying the White House who says every these kids, all kids just need to be in school. No regard for the safeties, for the parents, for the teachers even in that guard. Have you uh, experienced that type of resistance from parents or local um, teachers or the mayors or anybody that um, know about the program? And how do you sort of combat that? Mm, yeah. Um well, I th I think I think that uh, in general, with with this type of program, you're you know you're going to have um, you will have people that are don't understand right, or people that see education as 
traditional sitting in the classroom, you know, looking at um, in a desk in a traditional teacher structure role. So how we combat that is really from this approach is that this is a creative project learning um, activity. So um, we're couching it in terms of education, but at the same time, it's also engagement. It's also entertainment um, because children, it's based on storytelling. And, and especially like something like the local heroes, you know, we're highlighting community members that are doing amazing things and inspiring the child to see themselves as also being a community member, a local hero. So I, I think the, the other way to combat that also is it does um, the program does involve materials that come in the mail to the child or the students can pick it up from their local school um, so everything the child needs to learn is right there in the activity book right there in the materials so it's it's distance learning from a different perspective and um, I you know within the education circles. I think mm. this approach of um, of skills-based learning, um, this approach of again project-based learning, it's almost a safe space <laughs> for something right. like this because it's short bites. Um, it's you're still you're still um, um, you're still teaching the same the same skills. You're still teaching the same learning outcomes but couching it in a way that a child can understand it without, without realizing that it's learning, I would say that is that um, that would be the best um, response to those that are, that are doubting the power of this type of learning. And, um, and then finally on this, um, you know, creativity. And so we right. see, um, we see students, that you know, we've had so many students, say age 12, 13, younger, who just look at you and say, or they tell you on the phone, I don't know what to write about. You know, we tell them to write a story, and then we work with them and we say, okay, well, write the story about something you know, right? What is your favorite activity? And we slowly just kind of spark that creativity and the empowerment that comes. Um, comes from being able to do that for the child. I mean, it's clear to anybody, the parent or an adult or a sibling, about power of that type of empowerment. Um, so, I would I would say that um, something like this is is meant to, um, in the least, be something entertaining and creative, and at best, be something that is a mixture of education, engagement, and entertainment. You know, you, you, you brought up um, a few things, and uh, one of which empowerment and, and sort of making it fun. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed, blessed to – my kids are, aren't going – you know, they're doing the online education now with the, the, the school they go to, it, and I'm, I'm fortunate and blessed enough to be working at home so I can be able to in, – in the office and be able to help them you know, when they need it. Um, not every parent is in that position, not just being home and having to get child care and, that, and you know, someone there, but also having the um, the tools, resources, the, you know, the, the laptop and, and having those type of things. Um, mm -hmm. Social social interaction is important um, for everybody, but especially kids. They they need to be around each other. So there, there are a lot of parents that are struggling with that, like they're concerned about that. Um, but how do you, how do you um, 
do you help with the resources number one and mm-hmm. um if not is there any any other place where they can get those resources and and is there any curriculum in there to I guess you're making it fun, but any curriculum that that helps the kid get past the fact that, yeah, they can see their friend, they can chat with them, but they're not there. Mm -hmm. They can't go out to the playground at lunch break and and hang out with them. You know what I mean? Of course. Totally different. It's a a completely different approach. Um, So so absolutely, um, you know, equity and access, equities in education and accessible education, this is the key and our driving goal and mission in creating these types of programs. So it's not about um, having the fastest internet speed, (laughs) right? Um, Right. It's not about having the devices, but it's, those are tools and not the ends, um, the ends. So they're the means to the end. Um, So in that regard, um, we, are, that's why we've designed a program where something comes in the mail to the child. So everything the child needs to engage with this, if the child only has access to a telephone, <laughs> right? Um, then mm-hmm. between the telephone and the activity book, um, the child can still learn and engage and participate. Um, and so the socialization part is very important. And this is where um, we have really seen the power of storytelling. Um, so we, we asked the child in the programs, um, especially at a remote distance, okay, um, we want you to write a story, right? And this means right. you draw something. This means you call up um, your friend, call up your neighbor, call up somebody you haven't spoken to and interview them and ask questions to them and then write a story about them from their perspective. So um, all of this, of course, we work with the child at their individual kind of um, area, but because it's creative, you know, it's a safe environment for a child. And so we really encourage them to start to build those empathy skills or social skills by communicating um, and by thinking about um, thinking about a situation, a character, a person in a different way. So if I'm not able to see my friends in person, um, maybe I can have a video call with them or FaceTime on my phone with, with a friend and ask them questions that I probably don't think about asking my friends, you know. Um, so it's just a different way of engaging, a different way of relating. Um, we do provide support, absolutely, 100%. Um, you know, as much as as we would like to see children engaged, <laughs> you know, there there does need to be some coaching and some um, support. Um, so depending on the, the community we're working with, sometimes that support is in tele- form of telephone. Sometimes it is online. Sometimes it is um, a YouTube link. So we adjust according to the environment we're working in. And one thing we've really done um, in this regard is we have in the program that we're running is um, we have really approached local local sponsors um, to sponsor this type of program for students that may not um, be in a school district that's well funded or able to fund something like this or students that may not have access to, to these types of programs and material. Um, so we really are trying to make it 
um, more equitable and, and more accessible um, by being creative and by using the, multi, the multimedia approach, which is everything from phone to texting to images, <laughs> you know, to having, mm. um, having your video chat, um, making audio. You know, we create these, we work with them to create these multimedia stories. Um, and, um, you know, stories can be told in so many different aspects. We actually have one module where they become a podca- podcast host. <laughs> and get, oh, to, well. get to kind of have that, yeah, have their own podcast. So, um, so you know, uh, um, I think in the environment we're in, where you really don't know what distance learning means, right? And um, what this type of learning is, we can really go back and rely on these types of tools because education has changed, also, right? Um, the um, you know we've gone from formal, more formal learning to now information is everywhere. So a child is learning from so many different, so many more spots and areas and informal areas than, than we have in the past. So um, really this approach of community-based looking at, um, looking at us as coaches um, and, and, and kind of supporting along in that regard. Um, but of course, basing it on curriculum, basing it on learning outcomes. That has been um, the most effective way for us to continue and to advance. Yeah, fascinating. And you, you hit on um, one question I was going to ask this. So um, mm-hmm. this is fully funded by uh, philanthropic or, or people just kind of helping out? Uh, first question. And the second part of it is what, what's the sort of the age groups that you're working with, the grades you're working with, and, and do you have to deal with and make some adjustments if you have some special needs kids that may need, you know, the assistance and want to utilize your, your program? Sure, and that's a good question. So um, our our programs, so with we overall we call our programs Global Sleepover, and underneath that we have the Local Heroes Program. So everything that we've done at Global Sleepover has been a combination of um, f- funded philanthropic, like local local funders, um, sponsors. Um, sometimes we do have school districts um, that purchase our programming, our materials, um, and everything kind of in between. We also do individual, um, we, we'll sell activities and programs individually to, um, right now in this environment, to to parents, um, a group of parents, for example, or um, a grandparent that wants to sponsor, you know, somebody else. So we try to we try to have an approach where um, we're not fully reliant on, on grant funding or public funding um, because that is also uh, goes in phases. So something where if somebody can afford, um, if a school district can afford, if an individual can afford, we always ask, please sponsor <laughs> um, in that regard too. Um, so it does support that equity aspect um, and um, I'm forgetting your second question. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I it no, was about um, um, just what grade um, levels and uh, yes. and special needs kids, right? Yes, absolutely. So um, grade levels, we are um, K to five uh, at the moment. Um, we have done programs for middle school and, and ninth grade um, activities, but um, it's a different, um, it's, it's a little bit st- structured a bit differently. So we have those available, but really K to five is, is where um, we've kind of found our best practices to, to work. 
Um, and in terms of special needs kids, um, we do have adaptations of our program to support special needs kids. Um, we have an active program um, running for ch- uh, children that are deaf or hard of hearing. Um, and beyond that, um, really, it would be an individual, um, an individual customized approach um, in terms of the needs um, and and the the timing. So we can support that. Um, it is within our purview. We have experts in that. Um, another area where digital tools, and I'm sure you know this being a parent, um, digital tools are amazing for accessibility and for um, exploring learning in multifaceted, multimedia ways um, where it's not just um, learning based on one-on-one engagement. There are many ways to enhance that learning. So yes, we can support that. Um, it's more of a customized and individual um, based on the needs of the student and the, the, the client, if you will. Very good. Very good. Um, and, and so I guess, you know, if, if it's sort of a grassroots thing under the umbrella that you have a global sleepover. Um, mm-hmm. So is there any plans to push? Unfortunately, you know how um, this country is. It's all it's it's lobbying for your agenda. Right. So yeah. are, is that mm-hmm. something you're going to do to maybe. Uh, go to Washington to lobby, and 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 how are you getting the word out, like in terms of media and everything else? Mm-hmm. Um, so we we are ba- our headquarters are based in Washington D.C. <laughs> so, okay, well so there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we, we strategically selected D.C. as as our home in that regard. Um, in terms of getting the word out, um, this is this is also where um, past relationships. You know, we are trying to approach um, individual sponsors, um, trying to approach school districts, and and see what their needs are, and see about how we can can build this out. So um, these types of um, conversations like we're having, this also very much helps um, help us help support us um, because obviously the advertising budget is <laughs> is never or the marketing budget is always <laughs> always the hardest right. um, in something like this. But you know, I will say that I have a lot of faith in you know we've been doing this a long time, right? Ten plus years. Um, we have been working um, in this type of environment, working towards social emotional learning, working towards um, looking at really how can we break down the, the inequities in education um, for a long time. So we've had so many partners that we have been um, working with uh, who know us. And, you know, people have been reaching back to us um, to ask us different questions, right? How do we do this? Or you've been doing this a long time. How can we how can we work together and support it? And, and I think everybody really sees and understands the need for this type of creativity and innovation in education um, and ensuring that we do continue to provide education. Um, so any thoughts or ideas you might have <laughs> of where we could go and, and, and knock on well, the doors are, would be welcome too. <laughs> well, you certainly, you guys are helping out kids. You certainly, um, um, we'll, we'll make sure that we get your information if we can, get a, a PSA or something on the air on our network. We certainly will do that for you. Uh, I did want one final question I got, and they were asking, you provide some of the resources the kid needs to, to learn. You make the environment safe and fun. Uh, are, are, there, are you using 
teachers of your own, or how does it work, or are they using the teachers within that school district or within that school? That's a very good question. So the answer is both. Um, uh, if the if the school district has teachers that would like to be engaged, then we work to provide the teacher with what he or she may need to implement the program. Um, we also can be more involved. We have our own teachers and teachers that we've trusted um, and worked with for 10 years now um, who have developed this curriculum and piloted it. So it really would depend on the needs um, of the school district that we are working with. Um, a lot of teachers, um, we have found that some teachers really do appreciate kind of a sequence, you know, here, here's a pack of activities, here's an activity book, here's what we can provide, and the teachers just have it all set out for them, and then they're able to give it to and work with their students in, a, in their own time, in their own way. Um, so the the key to all of this, honestly, has been flexibility, right? Um, hmm. And in general, you know, we don't learn the same, <laughs> right? We are right. all different. And this is where multimedia has been so powerful. And, you know, some of us are visual learners. Some of us, you know, learn through different experiential means. Um, so if we can... If we can recognize that and offer flexibility in how how we implement these programs, um, then you know we can work with any any end user, any school district, any system. It's just a matter of how we approach it and what decisions we take. So um, that and then to your question, you know we can work with special needs groups. We can work with teachers that may have specific restrictions. Um, we can also work with groups that may not have any restrictions, <laughs> you know, so, mm. and, and that's been really hard to, to develop that, that flexibility and that adaptability, but it is key to, um, to being able to work with um, uh, and offer something that's sustainable, um, educational, and something that really has an impact. Well, it's it's it sounds like a great idea, and I mean, we we see some of the um, teachers' unions and and some teachers with the concerns to go back to school. We just saw uh, in Florida the uh, one of the stronger teachers' union um, won a, a court decision because they not just the safety of the kids, but obviously the safety of them taking that home that virus if they contracted at home to their family so I, I understand so the need for what you're doing is right now um, and mm -hmm. I certainly appreciate it and like I said let's stay in touch and make sure that I get your uh, information if if you have yeah. a PSA or anything we could put that on our website but thank you so very much for joining us this evening be safe and we'll talk with you soon yeah. Great. Thank you very much. Really appreciate appreciate your insights and your, your questions today. Thank you. Take care now. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Geeta Raj, she is um, part of the Global Sleepover, uh, and, of course, she's an education consultant with the Local Heroes Program. You look that up, um, doing some really good work for lots of kids, and that, that's what it's about. People forget. Everybody's bickering back and forth about everything else, and the kids are always in the middle of something, and this is a good program. Take a break. Come back in just a bit. We thank you for joining us, 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. Questions, Pat Nation, you can hit us up on Facebook if you're watching live. See all uh, folks. Big shout-out to Big Bruh. 
Jr. out there listening. Appreciate him and uh, and others out there. Pastor Rojas, appreciate you. All the people on uh, Facebook, you hit us up on Pat Nation 2 on Twitter as well. And uh, you can also catch us on Instagram at L.A. Bachelor. It's the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and WCOM in Chapel Hill, Carborough, North Carolina. In the U and the Law with Chief Virgil Green and Chief Keith Humphrey. The show focuses on law enforcement and their relationship with the black community while letting you know your legal rights as a citizen when confronted by the police. Listen live every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com and the podcast every Monday through Sunday at 4 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern at thebachelornews.airtime.pro.
Welcome back to the show. It is the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM in Carborough, North Carolina. Thanks to all of us and all of you listening. And six four six nine two nine zero one three zero, the number to get in touch with us. Press one to get on the line. Questions, comments. The chat room is open, and so is Facebook Live at Pad Nation. You can hit us up at LA Bachelor or at um, Pad Nation to, to watch and listen live. And of course, uh, on Pad Nation 2 at Twitter, uh, Instagram, ask questions, and uh, we'll be happy to answer those for you. Want to go to my guest? He is the senior pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship Center in Greensboro, North Carolina. You heard the the uh, promo, uh, the Life Cafe that airs every Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on our, our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. He is Pastor Omar Rojas. And, and Pastor Rojas, uh, I hope all is well with you. Thank you for joining us. And I hope all you and your family and your uh, your church is doing well, sir. Yes, sir. All is well. Everybody's safe and, and doing great. Thank that's thank God for that, sir. I you know I always want to have you on to, to ask you the tough questions, <laughs> and okay. you know I, I think you know you're very very well equipped to to handle those and the, those discussions. And you know uh, a group of us that, that started talking about you know when you have studies and and Bible studies and things and you have these conversations, you you know people. Uh, have these discussions, not to tear anyone down, but, uh, you know, in a lot of cases to challenge ourselves. The word is the word, right? But to challenge ourselves. And one of the conversations was once saved, always saved. Uh, And, you know, just in doing the research, you know better than I, sir, um, you know, about the scriptures that can refer to, you know, for or against believe or not believe. I mean, you can go to Romans 8. You know, talking about there is therefore no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can go to Romans 8. You can go to Romans a lot, Ephesians, you know, oh, yeah. uh, John, Second Timothy. There are a lot of reasons to believe that if you are saved, you're always saved. And it has nothing to do with um, uh, a, a sort of falling out with God, if you will. You have that salvation, but more so maybe backsliding. So to, to talk about the scripture that, the, well, what you believe based on the word that you understand and why you believe in, and, and those scriptures that kind of line up with it. Right. So um, I, I guess I am, uh, I guess maybe part of the new age person, believer. I'm not sure how, how exactly to say that. Um, right. But I, I, I do believe, um, uh, like, you know, like the Bible says in Romans, uh, you know, 10 and 9, you know, if, if you believe, if you believe and confess, you know, then, then you shall be saved. Um, so I, I do believe, I guess, uh, for uh, lack of better terms, once saved, always saved, um, because it is a matter of belief and confession. Um, you know, even John you know, 316, uh, super familiar passage of scripture, right? But, you know, it, it right. talks about, you know, if we believe, and then we shall not perish. Um, so there's, 
uh, as you were saying, there's probably uh, not literally, but there's a, a million scriptures that you know would would uh, talk about you know the the belief and having eternal life. Um, and so you know, I, I guess to say <laughs> um, it's more so really. Uh, wow. I guess I would challenge uh, a belief. Uh, you know, whether you really truly, whether a person would, you know, believe uh, truly, um, you know, on him, you know, because I guess the the, the biggest argument uh, would be, you know, well, if I believe, if I confess with my mouth, you know, the Lord Jesus and I'm saved, uh, Romans 10 and 9, then, you know, then I can just, you know, <laughs> live whatever life. And because I confess, you know, and, and, and I, I believe in, that I'm saved, well, you know, that's, you know, that sounds right, you know, but when, you, like, like you know, good old cliche, you know, when you know better, you do better. Right. You know, so when you really do believe, then, then, then you do things differently. You don't continue to do the same things when you really believe something. So, so just to be clear, you you believe once saved always saved but but not practicing not trying to not um uh, continuing to to deliberately live in sin is that what you're saying or right. am I getting right. it wrong okay right yeah i know i was jumping around okay. a bit <laughs> no that's fine that's fine um it's just i wanted to make sure i was clear on what you're saying because you know one of the one of the, the issues that uh, non-believers have, uh, a pastor, it seems, is that they would say, they would say, and even wow. some scholars that research say that sometimes that the Bible can be, can seem sort of contradictory. I mean, for mm-hmm. all the scriptures that that refer to once save, always save, in that belief, you know, what about the passages that seem to refer to a person losing salvation? Uh, uh, I mean, First Corinthians 3.12 and Hebrews say refers to the potential loss, you know, in believers in the, the afterlife. I mean, 13, I think, says, if I, if I could pull it up, said he himself would be saved, but only as through fire. Um, you know, First Corinthians 3.14 says every believer will enter to heaven. The difference is... The context regarding that is the believer if they would receive it or not. Hebrews six talks about uh, uh, different interpretations of that. So, what do you say to those who could grab some scriptures and say, "Well, you know, that's not necessarily true," and here's why, which is always seems to be uh, sort of a way that people kind of want to, I think, use, in my opinion, an excuse not to believe anyway. But there are people right. who will go through the scriptures and say, no, Pastor, I understand, but no, it's this, because here's why. They go to different scriptures. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, we can, we can, I literally could jump on the other side of the fence and, <laughs> and um, <laughs> argue against myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Um, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's really about our, our personal conviction. You know, our, our personal relationship with God, um, I, I think, you know, in the church, outside of the church, we, um, you know, we, 
we 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 debate and argue about about you know things where it just causes this big great you know separation and uh you know we have to be really really mindful of that um but i again could uh, you know hate to use this word but i could counter those scriptures with with scriptures as well um you know with you know scriptures that will will say well hey you know what well, if you uh Again, there's a whole lot in Romans. You're saying, you know, you've given some in Romans 3, and we got, like you said, Romans 8. Therefore, now there's, you know, no condemnation in sin, which my personal uh, uh, way of saying that is I did it, but I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, you mm. know, again, Romans 10, Romans 10 and 8. Um, but then Paul, you know, talks about these, um, like in Romans 5, where he talks about how, you know, sin increases, but grace increases even the more. Uh, but then in, in Romans six and six and one, because it's like, okay, well, he says sin increases, but grace will increase. So that means I can do what I want, and then God's grace is, you know, as 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 Paul would say, you know, his his grace is sufficient. It'll it'll, it'll cover sin absolutely. You know, um, you know, but uh, you know, like Romans six and one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just looking at it. it. Says, "What shall we say right. to all this? You know, should we continue in sin and practice sin as a habit, so that God's gift of grace may increase and overflow?" Verse two: Certainly not. How can we? The very ones who died to sin continue to live it, uh, live in it any longer, or are we ignorant of the fact that all of us have been baptized in, in uh, Christ Jesus? Were baptized into His death. We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death so that Jesus as, Jesus as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father. Uh, we too might walk habitually in newness of life. Um, you know, again, when, when, I, when I confess and I believe, then I'm moving away from, I am moving away essentially from that intentional stuff. You know, when I'm just, you know... <laughs> I'm just intentionally going, I'm just going, you know what? I believe Jesus is, you know, he's my Lord and Savior. He got up on the third day, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, we confess that with our mouth and and I believe it, but I'm going to intentionally continue to live my life. Well, then, again, as I said in the beginning, I have to challenge my belief because when I believe it, I don't want to do anything that will, uh, you know, make his work on the cross in vain, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I, I guess, too, uh, uh, Pastor, again, I, I leave all the the uh, the biblical and uh, the pastoral stuff to you, but it almost sounds like you're saying once saved, always saved for some is a crutch. Because if they feel that, then – and some, right, they think because they're mm -hmm. saved – then it almost gives them license in their mind right. that it's okay to sin. Or if I said, well, you know, I'm saved anyway, so it's okay. And no, it's not, you know, because uh, at the end of the day, as I was just saying, you know, we're, we're making his work on, on on the cross, you know, almost in vain, you know. Um, right. You know, it's like, excuse me, with any relationship, um, you know, with you know, with a loved one, we we're doing our very best to make sure that we're not, you know, violating, you know, you know, say a husband and wife or whatever. We're just 
putting that you know type of relationship relationship out there. Um, you know, we're doing our very best to make sure that we're not violating that relationship. Um, you know, so again, hey, I'm I, I'm going to you know whatever that person needs you know for me to trust them, I'm willing to do that because I want I want to be in this relationship. And so, you know, we do what we, you know, what's necessary to, to, to make sure that that other person is pleased with us. So, you know, when I really believe and, and, and really have entered into a relationship with God, then, then I am going to, you know, make the necessary changes. Does that mean I'm not going to, you know, mess up? No, that doesn't mean that. Uh, but it also means that I, I know how to go to that person. I know how to go to God and say, God, I messed up, you know, uh, you know. Uh, you know, for for um, not really knowing how to put it, but you know, I won't do it again. I'm, I'm basically just saying, repent. You know, I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to turn away from it because I know how this makes you feel, and it makes me feel some kind of way, making you feel bad. So I'm not going to do that. You know, so again, because like the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short. You know, but I'm acknowledging and say, hey God, I messed up. I'm not going to do this again. You forgive me. Mm. I won't do this. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Pastor Omar Rojas, a pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship Center in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, also the host uh, or the, the broadcast, the Life Cafe broadcast that airs on our website, our, our uh, network of thebachelornews.airtime.pro on Saturdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. A very, very good uh, program uh, you, you do need to uh, check out. Uh, pastor Rojas, two two things. Um, is it if if once save always save uh, is is salvation? I'm gonna get back to that in a second. Um, but people, I mean, like you said, we all fall short, so we, we're sinners, you know, by birth, but saved by grace. But right. if if they do deliberately sin, then are they really saved? Because again, I don't know. You know better than I. Right. Uh, and I don't want to feel like people think I'm preaching or anything, but from what my understanding is, is that if, you know, you're convicted and that conviction is supposed to be the Holy Spirit. So if you're convicted, you still right. sin. Are you really, are you really saved? Right. Uh, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's where the whole intention comes. You know what I mean? Um, am, am I just intentionally doing it? You know, and, and that kind of goes back to that, you know, Romans, uh, it's eight and one. You said, and of course, I, I kind of gave my own <laughs> uh, interpretation of it. I did it, but I didn't do it. You know, right. um, you know that's where that comes in. Where you know, I messed up, but I'm not going to let that keep me. I'm a, I'm gonna keep you know pushing forward. God, right? Forgive me. I'm you know asking for your forgiveness, and I believe His grace you know is is sufficient to cover what it is. But now, when I continue to you know when I'm intentionally okay, I just keep doing this. Then, then, well, now I got a question whether you, you know, you know, do I really love God or do I really believe? Because I keep doing, you know, the, the same thing over and over again. So, you know, again, the question is, you know, where's my intent? You know, where where really is my belief? Is struggle part of that, though? It, I mean, it, you know, if there's someone has an addiction, whatever the addiction is, or 
you know, they're trying to do right, but they just they just can't get right. to where they with, need to be. With and they, that same issue or problem seems to keep. Does that is that sort of like using my terms? Is that sort of points for towards God? Like I'm trying, Lord, I'm trying that kind of thing. Right, but but and and I don't want to sound like uh, super insensitive, but you know, how how are we trying? You know. Right. Um, are are we really going through the the, the process of trying? Um, you know, because uh, part of trying means you know what I'm, you know, especially with struggle because I, you know, I've struggled with things and and even struggle with things now. Um, but you know, am I purposely, you know, on purpose? trying to do better like am i eliminating all of these things that i can't that i have to out of my life so that i'm really putting forth a a valiant a valiant effort you know because when i'm putting forth that valiant effort that's when you know again i believe you know that that that's when his grace comes to 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 really help us because we put forth that that effort you know it's like paul you know, when, when it talks about um, um, where, he, you know, he says, I, I, I besought the Lord three, thrice, three times, you know, about this, this thorn in my side, this thorn in my flesh. And, you know, he right. talks about it being this messenger of Satan sent to, sent to bust at me, and, you know, and, and then, you know, he has this conversation with God and, and, and he finds out, well, you know, well, when I'm, I'm weak. I'm really strong. Why? Because of his grace. So he goes on to say his grace is sufficient. So knowing that in his weak, that God's strength is available, he's now saying, okay, when I'm weak, I'm knowing his strength is available. I'm going to tap into it. And his and, and tapping into his, you know, God's grace or his strength is helping me to overcome, you know, this struggle. It's helping me to overcome in that weak moment. Not to say that I might not mm. have that thing to my, my mouth or or, you know, have that thing in my hand. Not saying that it might not hit my hand or, you know, or, or it's not going to hit my mouth, but I, I, I won't follow all the way through. Mm. If you're just joining us, talking with Pastor Omar Rojas here, um, a senior pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship and, of course, the overseer uh, of the Life Cafe broadcast that airs on Saturdays, 5 p.m. at thebasternews.airtime.pro, a broadcast 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh uh, uh, Pastor, so when you look at the, the grace and being saved, how can a believer have assurance of salvation? I mean, you know, it seems as though the Bible commands Christians, uh, we have to take a look at ourselves and just to ensure, I guess, truly in our faith, right? So, um, and right. do sort of a, uh, we're not being self-deceived, thinking that we are. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you you know, the confessing with your, um, believe it, confessing with your mouth, believing your heart, and you're saved. But but yeah. self uh, um, determination, if you are. But even Paul said, examine yourselves, right? So yeah. so how how do people have assurances? With everything that you said of that self salvation, it's like a sort of like a checklist, if you will. <laughs> right. Uh, listen, I, I, I'll, you know, I'll preach this in a minute. We have to, you know, take that that, that self inventory. We have to, you know, look at our lives, uh, you know, circumspectly. 
um, you know, to, to make sure that we are, you know, to a certain degree, you know, dotting every I and, and, and crossing every T, if you will. Um, but, you know, how, how do I have the insur- uh, assurance, rather, um, is, it's, you know, everything is always going to be word-based. So I got to go to the word. But again, that all comes with my belief. So, you know, you know, there's so many things that, well, it's not so many, but there's a few things that, that you know, impact our, you know, belief systems. We have, uh, you know, credible others, people we trust, uh, you know, repetitious information um, and, and even experiences. Um, so these are the things that, that shape and mold our, you know, our belief system. And so, uh, you know, if, if we're really going to, uh, you know, again, shape and mold it, well, then I need to, you know, as we said, credible others, I need to get around people that, <laughs> you know, that, that believe like I believe, you know, right. uh, to, to help fortify my belief, uh, you know, you know, repetitious information. So I'm going to get into the word you know, and, and, and look at scriptures, you know, repeatedly like John three sixteen, um, you know, like, uh, you know, first John five 13, I'm just kind of throwing these out here. Uh, sure. Romans five 20, uh, Jude one 24, he says he's able to keep us from stumbling from falling. Uh, uh, John 10, uh, 10, uh, verse 28, where he talks about no one can snatch us out of God's hand. Um, Philippians 1 and 6, he who begun a good work in us will complete it to the day of salvation. Um, you know, and, and we could continue to go on, but we have to, uh, you know, constantly, you know, put those scriptures, put that word of God in us because it's going to, uh, again, help to shape and mold and, uh, and, and shape and mold our belief system. So the more that I, I get it in me, the more I believe it, you know, because it's, again, just repetitious uh, information. Mm. You know, getting some feedback from people that um, he didn't um, say, he didn't say the scripture. I don't think him. I'm just kind of uh, uh, reading it. And he uh, says, uh, the the emailer says, a person who has done um, uh, Acts 16.31, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Joel 2.32, a person who has done this born, is born again. John 3.3, 3, he says, is regenerated by the Holy Spirit. John 3.5, right. so that they no longer reject God's ways. It's it's just, it, it seems as though, and I guess go back to just in closing, it it, it, it really sounds like in um, what you're saying is once saved, always saved, but doing mm-hmm. that, that self-examination and what your intentions are, um, right. Really having that, I guess that conviction. You, we call it the Holy Spirit, and and it, and it's a daily, a daily walk, right? So if you're right. in, embedded, if you're grounded into the Scripture, then I think that helps. But I, I, I think someone said emailed. Well, if you teach it the wrong thing, I'll leave you with this, and you can comment on this. Someone said that. Uh, well, if if a pastor is, is um, you know, teaching the wrong thing, then they have blood on their hands. And uh-huh. I don't know how you respond to that because, it, I mean, it, again, I, I would think, Pastor, again, you're the pastor. If you're grounded in the word, you 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 know, and you can rebuke that because you know that's not right if you're studying the word. So I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're, if if a pastor is, you know, blatantly 
teaching his congregation the wrong thing, right. Um, right. then that's right. blood because of his. We, but go ahead. Absolutely. Because we do have, uh, we do have, you know, those, you know, pastors, preachers, or you know, whatever title we want to give it today, um, that 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 usurp their authority and teach uh, their own doctrine. You know, uh, just in order to get people to to, to follow them. You know, um, and so so yeah, those are those are the you know the false teachers, um, and but yeah, absolutely, we there there are are excuse me false teachers among us, and you know as as the emailer said, um, you know teaching the wrong thing will will definitely you know put blood on a on a on a false teacher's hand, and so you know all the more reason why you know as as pastors you know leaders in the church whatever. Um, you know that that you know that we make sure that we study to show ourselves approved, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And when we when we look at the Bible, when we read the Bible, when we get understanding of the Bible, and 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 have a uh, personal relationship with God, you know, we'll find out. You know that that you know when I believe and confess, I'm saved. And 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 it's just that when I believe and confess, um, part you know again part of the problem is, is we have a lot of people that are just confessing and not believing, and so that's why we can live our lives haphazardly mm. because we're just confessing and not believing. You know, mm. oh well, I said it. Yeah, you said it, but did you really believe it? Because when you believe it, you'll make a change, and you'll live your life accordingly. Gotcha. Uh, right. I, I got another the conviction comes. Right. I got uh, my other guests on the line, but I do want to ask you this before you go. Well, I just want you to comment on it that I guess to your point when we were talking about false prophets and things, um, mm-hmm. uh, the emailer, e- emailer Wayne in Atlanta said, you know, um, church gets a bad rap when you have pastors doing illegal things or sex scandals, uh, et cetera. Um, I mean, you can comment on that if you, if you like, sir. It's, it's very true. Um, and, and, and it's unfortunate. And so we have a lot of people that are, um, you know, don't don't trust the church or, or you know, let me let me rephrase that. Uh, we have a lot of people with, you know, quote unquote, you know, church hurt, you know. Um, right. <laughs> and so, you know, sure. we, we got to be really careful, you know, you know what we call hurt, you know, um, because, you know, if I. If I this may sound funny, it may not. Um, if I slip and fall at Walmart, does that mean I got Walmart hurt? Right, or you just hurt? Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just I just slipped and fell, and so right. I don't blame where I was, you know, for the reason why I got hurt. Um, you know, I I, I I I slipped and fell because maybe there was something on the floor, or you know, maybe I didn't watch my step, you know. But I don't, you know. So you know, I I I got to be mindful. I, I might have got hurt. At the church, but it was, uh, and I'm talking about physically. Um, you right. Know, I, I might have got hurt at the church, but it was a person at the church, and I know somebody's going to say, "Well, you know, we are the church." You're you're, you're absolutely right. We we do make up the church, uh, but when we're talking about church hurt, we're talking about where it was, and we and 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 we stopped going to the place because it happened at the church. You know, so so you know we're going to keep it where it is. You know, I got hurt right. by a immature person at the church. Right. Um, and so that's like a whole different topic for another day, possibly. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, and, and or you know, it might have just it probably maybe wasn't the church for you. It could have, you know, I mean, again, Absolutely. that that I believe that's all that's all is in you know that that whole walk. I mean, you're just going to be in a place you need to be, you know. So maybe this wasn't for that person, but I I I think that um a lot of people uh com- complain for the sake of complaining. Uh that's right. our our nature. That's our nature. Right. You know, it's, it's the reason why reality TV works because people like to see other people miserable. I mean, to be honest right. about it. So, right about it. you know, people are looking right. for stuff to say. Uh, pastor uh, Omar Rojas, of course, he is the uh, senior pastor at Maximizing Life Family Worship Center in Greensboro, North Carolina, the good city of Greensboro. He used to live there. Uh, and, of course, the Life Cafe broadcast that airs Saturdays. Uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern on our website. You have to listen. Always a good message uh, and a, a very relaxed atmosphere. Uh, it's at thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Pastor, anything you want to, final thing you want to say, sir? Uh, no, sir. No, sir. I, I, I'm just glad. Uh, uh, thank you for the invite. Always a pleasure to be uh, on with you tackling uh, some, some pretty tough subjects, it seems. <laughs> yeah, I always say that. Well, I have a lot of respect for you, sir, and so that's why we want you on the, the tough pastors with the tough tough topics. That's what we like to do. So, <laughs> thank you so much, sir. God bless, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. And uh, look forward to your broadcast this uh, coming Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Absolutely. If you've got a clogged up nose, simply stuffy. If you've got a snuffly nose, simply sassy. If the rest of you feel fine, but your nose is out of line, give your schnozzle what it means, Simply Stuffy. Simply Stuffy, from the makers of Children's Tylenol. It has only the medicine your child needs to make a stuffy nose simply disappear. If you want to smell a rose, get the stuff out of your nose. If you take a silly smile, you simply stuffy. Simply Stuffy, use as directed. Welcome back to the show. We thank you for joining us. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. Questions, comments, chat room is open. Let your voice be heard if you're on line listening at blogtalkradio.com forward slash LA hyphen bachelor. Pad Nation on Facebook, Facebook Live. We are live there. You can go there at LA Bachelor Pad Nation. Pad Nation 2 at Twitter, LA Bachelor 
uh, at Instagram. And don't forget, if you missed the broadcast, you can go to our website, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro, bachelor with a T. We certainly appreciate you and checking in, and thanks to all of our guests. Back to the phones. He is the owner of Anastas Media and play-by-play voice under normal circumstances for UMass Lowell basketball. He is Nick Anastas. And, Nick, always a pleasure to have you on, man, and I'm always going to make sure everything's well with you and your fam, sir. Everything's good, L.A. How are you? Good, very good. Uh, A little sore, but as a – Hurt my shoulder, but you know, no. we 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 press on. Anyway, um, what uh, uh, it's a long story, but uh, we, we'll survive. We'll, we'll survive. Um, I, I, you know, the, I guess in the news of the day in the NBA, other than the games, and is that uh, you know Brett Brown getting fired by the Sixers. You know, the irony of this is that he had the injury. This was a weird year with the COVID-19. And you would have thought under, again, normal circumstances, he would have kept his job because of those factors. Yet he had to go. And, I I mean, listen, I don't want to see anybody lose their job, anybody, you know. Um, But he's not the guy. He was not the guy to to lead the Sixer team to the next level. Um, It didn't help. Ben Simmons gets hurt. But, you know, they just he, – the rotations weren't right. He wasn't using guys. He didn't put his foot down when there was dissension in the locker room. It, and, you know, Elton Brand is getting a pass, too, because he just got there. But he might be the next one on the block if they don't do well next year. But your thoughts on Brett Brown being fired after the Boston sweep, and then we'll get to the Celtics. I think you summed it up pretty well. I think in a nutshell, he's not the guy. And I think it's for those reasons that you listed. Um, he shouldn't absorb all of the blame, though. No, now, no. No, you know, they didn't meet expectations. They did let some key pieces, I felt like, walk from last year's team, including J.J. Redick, who could have right. helped, I think, particularly in the Celtics series. Um, so that's a front office thing. But the bottom line is the, the expectations were – what, top three in the East at the beginning of the season, at least? At least, At least yeah. top three, top four, right? Uh, they come in as the sixth seed, with or without Ben Simmons. You know, they just got worked. Uh, they don't have a whole lot behind Embiid and Simmons. I, I think that became apparent. I know Harris has had his ups and downs, and he's shown flashes, but, um, you know, he, he seemed to pull a, a disappearing act when a couple of these games could have gone either way. Um, it, it just seems like Embiid is a star, and I think Philly should be an attractive market because of that. I, I think with him on the floor, they have a, a built-in chance to win. But it's apparent they need a whole lot more. Uh, they did not meet expectations. A sweep, I think, caught even Sixer fans by surprise. So at that point, I think Brown's numbers were were uh, or his days rather were were numbered, and. Um, and then the Sixers brought the axe down pretty quickly. Right. And you get this, you, you know, you mentioned that he shouldn't take all the blame. I've been saying for a few years now that Ben Simmons is not either he, they they don't have someone to push him or he just something. I mean, he still, he still can't make the, the, the mid range, heck the short range jump shot. 
He struggles at the lines from time to time, and he's got he's got a load of talent, but it he's just not there. It, it, you know, would you agree on that? I mean, what did he? I don't know if his him not working in the off season, not taking it serious, because he may be the next um, axe on the block. Right. Uh, I don't know anything about his work ethic, so I'm not going to go there. But it, it does seem like this is about what you're going to get. A pretty good playmaker um, who has difficulty scoring, as you mentioned. And that, that jump shot I thought would come along by now. And if right. it's not here by now, then, you know, it, it's probably not going to be there. So Unless he's, uh, he's going to be like a Magic Johnson that finally got it, you know, after a few years in the league, finally got the jump shot down. And even Jordan, right. same thing. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, you can always add pieces to your game. We've seen that. But, um, you know, his field goal percentage has not been – it's been a problem, frankly. Um, so so I, I think he'll be a good supporting, you know, uh, supporting cast member. I don't think he'll be a star. I don't think he'll be a so-called 1A option. I think he'll probably end up having a nice 10-, 12-year career. Um, you know, maybe down the line becomes a, a – you know, a, a big piece in a championship contender, I could see that. But but the idea that you can really build around Ben Simmons, I, I, I just don't see that at this point uh, in his career. I, again, I think he's a nice complimentary piece, but if you're asking for much more than that, I think you're going to be left disappointed. Yeah, I, I agree. I've, I've been on him pretty pretty hard because I, I see the potential and I'm I'm not questioning his worth ethic either I'm just saying you know maybe you know if if someone he's almost like like that that guy you just got to kind of push you know to 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 be right. the best he can be and maybe we're looking at that talking with Nick Anastas here on um, uh, the Bachelor News radio show on the Bachelor News Net, radio network and WCOM in uh, Carborough and Chapel Hill Nick, on the other side, there's the Boston Celtics. Now, I think, in my opinion, going into these um, – in this bubble and then going into the playoffs, that it's all about Toronto and the experience and, and deservedly so. A lot of people picking them out of the East. Milwaukee, can they do – can the Greek freak finally get them over the hump? And, and you know, even Miami, the way they're playing. And, and then you got Boston, oh, by the way. And they right. they got one of the better guards. They they got to me uh, a top five player already in Tatum, in my opinion. Um, and and they play well together. Uh, have they been sort of overlooked? You think, or are they where you think they should be at this point? I think they're starting to play their best basketball at the right time of the year, and that's a credit uh, to Brad Stevens. You know, I mean, again, everybody's in the same boat with this COVID thing. Everybody's in the same boat in terms of the schedule and the layoff and playing, you know, in front of empty stadiums and all that. You know, Simmons has, has managed it well. And the thing is with the Celtics, as you mentioned, yes, they have Tatum, who's, who's, who's a young budding star. He may or may not be one of the elite players at this point. And, and if he's not, then he will be, you know, uh, by next year or whatever. But, but I mean, he's a 20-plus point per game scorer with an all-around game who's coming into his own. But besides that, the Celtics are deep. I mean, they've right. had contributions off the bench all season long by no-names, by, you know, the Olajays uh, and, and the Tices of the world and, 
Um, you know, even Marcus Smart, you know, for, for all the attention he's gotten, he's still not really uh, looked upon as a star, but he is a difference maker. Uh, game three down the stretch, you know, he intercepts a pass by, you know, leaping in the air in the wrong way, he takes it takes a skip pass and, and, and steals it and, you know, sparks the break before he lands on his face. You know, just hustle plays like that that are infectious. Uh, he has that kind of a, a backbone, a playoff backbone, if you will, uh, that can often be difference makers for teams. You know, teams need that X-factor guy. Uh, he reminds me a little bit, Marcus Smart does, of Tony Allen during the 2008 right. Celtics championship run. Just an uber athlete. A uh, guy with muscle, uh, again, a guy that's going to get in your face defensively, uh, bring some spirit. And, you know, you, you look up and down the, the the rotation, whether it's eight guys, whether it's nine guys, whether it's ten guys, th- there's not really a, a, a guy that, that you say, well, geez, is this guy going to hurt us or, or should we hold our breath while he's on the floor for five or six minutes? I think all these guys are ready to roll. They're ready to absorb whatever role Brad Stevens has asked. Uh, there's not a whole lot of egos this year. Last year, there was a lot of locker room talk. Um, you know, the, the Marcus Morrises of the of the world come to mind. Obviously, Kyrie had his own circus. There's none of that this year. And, you know, you and I talked last summer when Kyrie went to Brooklyn and Kemba came to Boston, and I felt like, you know what, that, that Kemba cloud, uh, or rather that Kyrie cloud that kind of hung over the locker room, hung over the franchise, was lifted, and you're seeing it. These guys moved the basketball in the top ten, um, I think maybe top five in assists per game. Right. Um, you know, they rebound well, even though they're not that big. I don't think Cantor has, has hurt them at all. Uh, I think he was a solid pickup. And, and then, of course, Jalen Brown, who we haven't even mentioned yet, has right. become a borderline all-star, a guy who can stretch the floor a pro who has turned out to be a lot better, frankly, than I thought he was going to be when he was drafted third overall. So, you know, you look up and down this team, there's four guys that played for Team USA last year on the Celtics. Now, see what you want about that Team USA, who obviously got beat in international competition, and it certainly was not the United States' best effort in terms of getting their, their top guys to play. But still, I still think that says something. It helps those four, uh, Brown, Smart, Tatum, and Kemba, develop some chemistry, you know, in advance of everybody else. And I think that's starting to pay off. And, of course, Gordon Haywood could be the real X factor if and when, you know, he finally is is ready to rejoin and, you know, can can give you some minutes off the bench. A guy who not long ago was demanding a max deal or close to it and scored 22, 23 points a game. So the Celtics are deep, and – that has been their strength, I think, all season. I think that came to the forefront in the four-game sweep over Philly. And, yes, Toronto's the champ, and I respect that. I respect the heck out of that. Nick Nurse was, you know, was named coach of the year again for a reason. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a series. I think it's going seven. Um, and if the Celtics do prevail again, I think it's because they're a little bit deeper and get a little more off their bench than most teams are, expect them to do. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I think uh, the Tony Allen, you could, I think you could make the case not only for uh, Marcus Smart, but even um, Brown. I mean, they're just some scrappy, they hustle, they work hard, 
They make plays. Marcus Smart is his, I mean, he don't care if you're seven feet. He's going to get in there and scrap with you. And he makes big rebounds. You know, you like his game. And then I liked his game when he came out of uh, Oklahoma State and, you know, and, right. and uh, Texas Tech, I believe Oklahoma State. And, and, and he's doing it in the NBA, so I'm not surprised. Uh, with him, we're talking with Nick Anastas here on Anastas Media on the Bachelor News Radio Show six four six nine two nine zero one three zero. The number to get in touch with us. Ten minutes before you lose the live feed. So if you're listening online, we go to the top of the hour. We go over. You got to lose the live feed, so you need to dial in or go to Facebook Live, uh, LA Bachelor Pad Nation to uh, listen there. With that, I go to my good friend, longtime uh, friend and colleague Tony T. McClain. Good evening. Hey, guys. Uh, uh, Nick, just to go a little bit more into depth with uh, Toronto and Boston, what's the what's the matchup or matchups that we should look to in, in the series? I think Toronto has advantage in that football line. Uh, we'll see. I think the Salt is instrumental in their, in their playoff run last year. Fred Van Fleet, we know, uh, is in the backcourt. And uh, it makes a great tandem, I think, there with Kyle Lowry. So I think the backcourt is is pretty even. But but I think what stands out is Gasol, because um, he can play in either post, down low. He can play high. He can pass the basketball. He leads Toronto in playoff assists. Um, you know, he's just a savvy and a good defender. He's just a savvy veteran player who was who made a world of difference last year against Golden State and exploited, I thought, a weak Warriors front line without Kevin Durant. So I think Toronto has an an advantage there. Athletically, the Celtics might be able to get up and down the floor a little bit better. I think pace will come into this one. Um, and then Toronto's X factor, I think, is Siakam. I mean, he as, as much praise as Kai uh, as Kawhi got last year, and obviously well deserved. He was the best player on the planet, frankly, during the postseason last year. But Siakam, I think, was, was a real difference maker, especially offensively. Took a little bit of load off of uh, Kyrie's shoulders. And he's going to have to be the man, I think, from a scoring perspective. I mean, yes, Lowry's going to get his buckets. And, you know, we mentioned Van Fleet and some of the shooters they have. But, um, but I, I think Siakam is going to have to put in some, some serious work on the offensive side if Toronto is going to be able to hang. And from one bubble to the other, um... The Bruins, um, you know, won game one last night against uh, Tampa. Um, do you think, you know, of the remaining teams in the East, uh, and, and, you know, they were the number one, you know, they were number one going into it before the round robin. Uh, do you think they'd use that as sort of a motivator to, uh, you know, to, to move on in this in this postseason? Uh, I don't know how big of a factor that is with the players. I know it was a, it was a factor with the fan base. It was, a lot of Bruins fans were unhappy about that, and, and I think rightfully so. Um, but, but then again, we're playing in a bubble, so home ice advantage doesn't mean anything, right. in my opinion. So uh, I think, you know, once the playoffs actually started, that, that kind of took a, a backseat in terms of a narrative. But, mm-hmm. you know, we, we always talk about – the team that gets hot and the team that has a goaltender who can spin on his head. And you wouldn't think that that would be the Bruins after the layoff and after what they did in that round robin where they didn't come out, um, you know, very strong. But now that it matters, now that the playoffs are here, you're seeing, again, a deep Bruins game like the Celtics, very deep, 
And uh, and apparently with two goaltenders because yeah. Tuukka Rask in, in very um, I don't know if unfortunate is the right word, but but he had a a family situation which was unusual where a playoff goalie goes you know out of the bubble or leaves the team just hours before the game. Um, you know there was some confusion around that at first, but you know the team, the organization is behind him, and, and he may the door is open be allowed to return later on uh, in the playoffs if the Bruins are still around. So so that remains to be seen. But, again, the toast of the town right now is the backup goaltender, and that's uh, Yaroslav Halek, who's 35 years old, a little bit of a journeyman. Uh, he's now won four games in a row in Tuca's absence. He's been red hot. He was nearly perfect in game one against Tampa. The two he let up were on deflections. So, again, can the Bruins ride the hot goaltender, whether that's Halleck the rest of the way or if Tuca returns, and rely on their depth and, and see, again, if they can outlast teams. Uh, they've done a good job, really, in the first period so far in these playoffs of, of kind of establishing the lead and then um, forcing others to, to play catch-up, which is obviously a good spot to be in. So they've been able to execute. They've relied on their depth. They've got a great goaltending situation now that, that was unexpected even a week ago as Halleck has, has proven that he's, he's been up to the task. Uh, what's got Bruins fans, uh, Bruins fans' concern is the shorter schedule and how that will impact a 35-year-old goaltender, um, you know, with minimal rest in between starts. The, the schedule is a little bit expediated because of the bubble situation. So every team's in that boat but it may uh, factor in with the Bruins a little bit more so because of the goaltending uh, situation and because of the age of Alec. Thanks. Uh, Nick, I want to go back to the NBA and kind of look at some matchups real quick. The the most intriguing to me, um, not necessarily the way the series has gone, but we talked about maybe Boston under the radar. Miami's been pretty consistent uh, all year. Uh, defensively, they get at it. They shoot a zillion threes, makes a lot, and they, they have a guy who can lead them, you know, who's that go-to guy. How far can they go? They're on the brink of uh, closing out Indiana. Of course, they're up. Uh, how far can they go in the East? I think they'll go as far as Jimmy Butler can carry him. I mean, yeah. you mentioned they, they've got a little bit of depth around him, um, but he's the man. I mean, the ball's going to be in his hands, and um, and they're going to sink or swim depending on, on what he can give them. And, they, you know, that, that was the idea when they signed him to big bucks in the offseason or, you know, made a move to get him on the roster. So uh, I, I think he's, you know, been kind of groomed for this moment to actually be on a semi-contender in Miami and be the man. So they they played better than I thought they would too. I thought Indiana would would maybe not win the series. Um, I, I felt like Miami would prevail, but a sweep, I didn't think so. I thought Indiana was was better than that, frankly. But that's a that's a um, you know a, a tip of the hat to to the organization. Miami, you know, for for whatever they're worth, you know, love Pat Riley or hate him or say whatever you want about LeBron and all that. But Miami's been pretty pretty darn successful really the last 15 years, you know, with Dwayne, Dwayne Wade and Shaq, a young Wade and Shaq. Then, you know, they move on from Shaquille and they, you know, Pat Riley signs, obviously LeBron and, and, and Chris Bosh. And then, you know, LeBron basically leaves overnight. Bosh and Wade fall apart. 
and they've rebuilt yet again, you know, three or four years later with Jimmy Butler. So, so good teams do that. Good teams don't stay down long. Miami's a good team, a good organization. And, and again, they got a very good player in Jimmy Butler. And Eric Spolstra, I've never been a big fan Spolstra, of his. I right. think he's doing a really, he's Spolstra. doing a really good job. Yeah. So yep. I mean, yep. dude, you know, I think that's good. Uh, just to switch over, um, Milwaukee obviously take care of business. I think they had, you know, some, I guess, jitters in the beginning, but they're up three-one in this series again. I'll ask you, like I asked T Mac and some others, uh, is. It, it, are we getting to the point where this kid has to get to the finals for him to, to, to uh, you know, for people to kind of not be overly critical about him? Because he's certainly a great player. He's got the MVPs in the regular season. He's, he's doing this. They're winning games, you know, great numbers of games. But if, if they don't get to the finals, are we going to start hearing more of the whispers about, you know, he can't, you know, he can't get into the big games? Because I think, like T and I said, you know, uh, he doesn't have a lot of help either. I mean, they, they're not that deep. No, they're not, they're not that deep, but the starting five is, is pretty formidable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, Bledsoe, I have a lot of regard for him. I think he's a an underrated guard. Middleton has really held his own the last couple of years. Lopez is a chameleon. He kind of adapts. Um, and Wesley Matthews is underrated, but but as you mentioned, after that it drops off pretty quick. Uh, you've got some grizzled veterans there, and George Hill, and you know uh, Kyle Korver for some shooting. Uh, Ilya Sova is pretty good. You know Pat Connington might give you 20 minutes, but but that's that's not a, a headline group. That second unit. So uh, you're right. Whether it's fair or not, whether it's just or not, if if Giannis doesn't get to the finals, you're right. The media, that's what they do. You know, that's what they did with Will Chamberlain until he got the monkey off his back in, in 67. Um, that's what they did with LeBron, right? That's even what they did with Jordan, you know, as, as right. the last dance highlighted. So it, it's natural, you know, and, and frankly, in my opinion, I think it is warranted. If you are supposed to be the MVP of the league, the best player in the league, then your team, after finishing with back-to-back number one seeds, ought to make the finals. And anything short of that, I think, point, you know, at this point, if you don't get there, then all criticisms are, you know, going to be on the table. And that will be the big storyline, you know, facing Giannis, whether it's fair or not. Right. And it's, it's, that's, the, that's the unfortunate situation. Um, just on the East, the Lakers again. They look like they're they're moving on. Just like Milwaukee lost the first game to Portland. Portland shot lights out. Didn't expect him to keep doing that. Um, but the, the the one thing about them is they, they two things. They, they look at at as parts of the game old. Like you, if you run them, they look like they 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 just just can't keep up. And it's up to right. LeBron and AD to do it all. And I, I root for AD. I like this kid. I've been waiting for the, the other shoe to drop, and, and thank God for him he hasn't, you know, had that issue. But, you know, it, it may still be theirs to win out West because the Clippers, to me, have underachieved defensively. They really haven't played the way I thought they would play with, uh, right. you know, the, the best player. But what about the Lakers? I mean, if, even if they get through the East, can they beat – 
you know, Toronto, Milwaukee, even the Celtics, I mean, if they get out of the West, if, if they could beat either of those three teams in the East? Yeah, the, the answer is yes, they can beat them. Will they? I don't know. You're right. The Lakers are older than people right. realize. You know, beyond AD, you got a 35-year-old LeBron and a whole bunch of vets, whole bunch of vets. Um, you know, Kuzma's been good as, as a young guy. And, you know, you're, to your point with the series with the Blazers, I think that has kind of turned at this point. Uh, the Lakers, though, they, they, they've had some problems with having it shots. And, yes, Portland was lights out in game one, but the Lakers didn't shoot well either. So, right. you know, if, if they have to rely more and more on that half court, let's slow it down, let's catch a breath, then they better start hitting some 12, 13, 14-footers. Um, so, you know, but, but, but where they do have an advantage, I think, is defensively. LeBron is still a good defender. Uh, AD is an excellent defender inside. I, you know, Avery Bradley, I think, was, was a loss for them. But, um, you know, they, they got some guys who can D up. Uh, the Clippers, you know, the Mavericks are, are just, you know, getting whatever shot they want in this right. series. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that that is a, a legit concern. Houston, we know can't play any defense either. So, right. you know, the, the, the Lakers may, in the end, decide, you know, what, let's press our advantage, let's clamp down defensively, win some games in the in the 90s even, and, and just kind of, you know, well, let's see what we can do. But I think you're right. Eventually, pace is going to be a determining factor with the Lakers. And uh, and on the defensive end as well, you know, can the rest of the conference elevate their game, you know, when push comes to shove in some of the later rounds? Right. I thought Utah would, you know, maybe do some damage. I like Dallas. Um, and they, like you said, is scoring. I think the Clippers will pull that out, though. Uh, before you go, uh, quickly, I want to go to Orlando Hughes, KRSB Radio. Sure, Orlando, um, you know, the broom is out for our Sixers. So we move on for another day. We got our wish with Brett Brown. Um, but uh, good evening to you. What say you, sir? Well, good evening to you. Good evening to Nick. <clears throat> I believe I hear his voice. Uh Nick, I, I would love to give Brad Stevens credit, but I guess I'd give more credit to Brett Brown um, and how he coached that series uh, yet again because, what, the second time he completely got outcoached by um, by Brad. Um, so if there's such a thing as a Jedi being in it, uh, uh, that was a sign of Yoda facing Luke Skywalker in The Empire Strikes Back. Like, he just completely dismantled him. <laughs> Uh, yeah. um, but I, I got a couple of names for you, and I guess since you you opened the worms, LA, I'll, I'll continue to spill them out on the table. Sixers head coach, I would like Sam Cassell or the young man that used to coach Sacramento, uh, the guy to that squashed with Vladi Divac over not picking uh, the kid that's lighting it up. What do you think about those two people? I forget the guy from Sacramento, the, the head coach that was there before. Eric Musselman? Yes, Eric Musselman. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Listen, I like both those guys, Cassell and Musselman, because they're fiery guys. Right. Uh, I actually had had a chance to attend a conference years ago in which Musselman spoke, and I got to speak with him afterwards. Uh, You know, he's all business. He's one of those guys seemingly that gets up, does about 100 push-ups before he leaves the bedroom. So I, I think the Sixers might be in need of, of someone like that, a general type, 
um, to, to kind of lead lead the direction. Cassell's another one, obviously, um, who's built up a little bit of, of coaching chops being on these benches in the last few years. Uh, he's been around the game as a coach since he retired. Um, and, and you want to talk about a fiery guy. I mean, this is a guy that teed up in an NBA game for chewing out his own teammate. So... <laughs> So uh, I th- I think I think the Sixers need somebody like that a, a kind of a kind of a no nonsense personality to give the organization a little bit of a jump start. I like both those names, Ellen Musselman. Got it, got it. Yeah, it, it appears. Um, I guess Brett, and it wasn't really known that a lot of Brett's problems stem back from the process days of not controlling Jalil Okafor. Uh, Nerland's Noel, which I knew about, but I'm even hearing stories about Michael, Car- Michael Carter Williams um, and his ills uh, back in the day of being here as a Sixers. So this was inevitable. Uh, Brett's a great person. I-, I love the way he speaks, but again, when he plays against Brad, he makes Brad look like the complete genius. And I mean, Brad is a good coach, but I don't think Brad is as great as he is just because he's facing Brett. Well, I think there's something to that, right? I mean, whether it's another team or, in this case, another individual has your number, then that's exactly mm-hmm. what that is. They they right. own you. They have your number. And until right. you can shake that off, it can it can take its mental toll, I think. Um, right, right. You know, so, so you know, Brad Stevens is a, a premier coach, in my opinion. He doesn't have the ring. He doesn't have the ring yet. Um. But, but, you know, there's a reason he was hired at Butler at, what, 30 or 31 years old, made right, the transition right. to the NBA before he was 40. I mean, that, that, that stuff just is not commonplace unless there's some merit there. And, and he's done a great job, really, um, since he's been in Boston. So I don't fault Brett Brown for that in particular, being owned by Brad Stevens because Stevens is good. But – um, you're on to something for sure. Uh, between those guys on the sidelines, Stevens has his number or had it. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, wish him the best. Uh, and I got it for me. Take care, Nick. We'll talk again. Thanks, Orlando. Hey, hey Nick, uh, just before you go, you know, baseball, is, I mean, uh, are they dead men walking at this point? I mean, it, it it seems to be one team or five players. It seems almost every week or every other week. Are they gonna at least limp to the sixty games and 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 have a playoff, or or do you think they're not going to make it? Uh, um, I I think actually it's a little bit more promising than it was last time we talked, which was I don't know two or three weeks ago. Right. Um, it, it it seemed like it was you know organized chaos in the opening weeks. Now I think that there's been not much of a precedent, but, but at least a couple of weeks to kind of model things, you know, uh, where if they have to postpone a series, then, you know, the procedures are in place to do that. It's, it's not as bizarre, I, I don't think, as, as even two years ago. Of course, everything's moving much faster now. And, you know, six months ago, it seems like six years ago, in my opinion. Um, but, but you know, in this brave new world that we live in, it, it seems like, at least for now, baseball has its arms around it, where I'm not sure I would have said that two or three weeks ago. 
But but I think the adjective you used is, is probably still the right one. It's limp. You know, that they will limp their way one way or the other, I think, through the end of the regular season. And then, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the fall, you know, right. with, these, with, these second, with, with the second wave predictions and, you know, the state-by-state governments are, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in 50 different directions, frankly. Um, so so it, it's hard to predict there. And, of course, that will be right around when the 60-game regular season ends. So in terms of the regular season, I, I think they do get it in. And then, again, all bets are off, in my opinion, for the fall anybody's guess yeah it's uh it's i mean eight you're right it hasn't been as as bad lately and that's a, a good thing for them but I, like tony has said on, on this show i'll let you go um numerous times they you know manfred and 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 the owners could be in a win-win i mean because if it doesn't get done they could just say hey we tried we put it out there we did everything we could and it just didn't work out so you know they, they, then they, you know, they they look somewhat good to the fans that at least they try to put put it out on the field. It just didn't work out. Now some people might say, well, if you did it in a bubble or whatever <laughs> ahead of time, but you know, it could have been, it could be any of those things. But uh, we we shall shall see. Well, we wouldn't want any of those cardboard cutouts to stage a protest, would we? So uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's hope let's hope the fans are understanding. Absolutely. Nick, I, we've got to run, man. I appreciate your time as always. We'll talk uh, next week, and you continue to be safe, you and your family. You too, Jose. Thank you. Appreciate you. Nick Anastas of Anastas Media and uh, play-by-play voice of UMass Lowell. We're going to take a quick break and wrap up with Tony T. Mac McLean, Big O, Orlando Hughes on the Bastion News Radio Show on the Bastion News Radio Network and WCOM Chapel Hill Cargo. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for all of our guests. Don't forget, if you miss any part of our broadcast, any of our shows, you can go to our website, 
news.airtime.pro, The Bachelor with a T, news.airtime.pro. Check out the uh, show. Uh, this show is on at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You can hear all of our guests. You can hear uh, my longtime friends and colleagues, Tony T. Matt McLean and Orlando Hughes on, on those broadcasts, as well as they come on and give their their insight. Um, guys, just to go back to Philly, Orlando, start with you. Um, you know, I know actually know Eric Musselman, and he might be a good – fit for the position, but uh, I I think that Elton Brand is, should get a little bit of it. I know he just got there, and but, you know, who he brought in, who he, he let go, you know, Nick had mentioned uh, uh, some of the guys that they, they let go, and J.J. Uh, Reddick and guys who could have helped him from the perimeter and things like that. I'm not a defensive guy, but certainly can knock down some shots. Uh, Elton Brand has got to be on the block, too, number one. Number two, Eric Musselman might be a nice pick, but who else is out there? Um, I, I don't want to do the retread thing, um, but I do want a, you know, a veteran guy. I know Indiana's struggling, but I like the Nate McMillan. I don't, I don't see Mo Cheeks anymore. But you, you're right. They may need somebody that can get up in their grill and and push, especially if Ben Simmons, push them to be the best they can be. Well, I mean, you don't need them to. I, I agree with you to, to push them. But um, Brett wasn't really um, an X and O guy. He was a, a, right. a great person, uh, but he's not an X and O guy. Uh, I want to address your first question. Alton Brand is on the seat. But really, was it Elton Brand's team? Or was it the leftover remnants of Jerry Colangelo? Because um, Elton Brand didn't really have his staff there. So there were some analytic guys from Jerry Colangelo uh, still with the Sixers, um, and they were making some decisions. So the you know, where I'll fault Elton Brand for was there wasn't a need to do the Tobias Harris trade. You know, so if you go get Jimmy Butler – you sit on Jimmy Butler and you run with Jimmy Butler. You didn't need Tobias. You didn't right. need Tobias. You didn't need to give up those picks. Now you got you dumped Mike Mustafa, Mike Muscala, and you dumped um, uh, the brother that's in uh, playing for the Nets now, uh, Wilson, Chan- uh, Wilson Chandler's contract. But you you lost Landry Shaman as well, uh, a rookie Landry Shaman. So you put Shaman along with Thibault. And you know another year of JJ Redick, you're still building stuff. So my my thing with the Sixers, just be patient um, with this because Ben and Joe have not had a real coach, uh, X and O guy. Um, there's also one of the assistant coaches from the Sixers that comes from Popovich's tree. Um, he has a name that I'm not even gonna try to pronounce because I'm having difficulty yeah, I... speaking now with my with my tea from the dentist that jacked me up today. Um, oh man! <laughs> I've been there about three weeks ago. Yeah. So yep. Yeah. So you know, forgive me for the Charlie Brown grandmother uh, jargon. Right <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. Elton, I, I, I hear you. Elton Brand gets another year. I mean, the the ultimate catch for Philadelphia is they would love Jay Wright, but Jay Wright's probably got another team. 
that will win a national championship if they decide to play college basketball this year. Uh, they're, they're, right. they're that good. Um, but you can you can make this work. I told you some moves last week uh, that they can make. So there's some pieces. Either Tobias or Al has to go. You have to trade one of those two. So if I'm Al, that's what you do. And I think they're going to lose Jason Richardson. I mean, Josh Richardson. Oh, goodness. I sound like Doris Brooke. Doris Burke mispronouncing his name all day yesterday. Um, Josh Richardson, you can trade him along with Elton Brand or Tobias, and they can bring you something back. You're going to eat a contract, but they'll bring you something back. And I go get one of the Mars twins. I bring the Mars twin back home, and you need that attitude. You need that fight. Uh, right. I get that kid Bertrand from D.C., and I move him up the road. And, and then just be patient with what you have. Uh, uh, cork mines will never, never see the court, right? I told you this kid, uh, 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 Mario Shiat, who dominated the G League, who was a, 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 he's a sniper off the bench. You got shooters on this team. Brett doesn't know how to go and use people, man. And then he got right. schooled by right. Brad Stevens. Like, Brad Stevens was running 11 people on the court. Yeah. Like, come on, now. Look, look, the first person off the bench for the Sixers is Corkmaz. Every time Corkmaz came on the floor, right, he didn't even get up any shots. That dude was a minus 42 for the series. Minus wow. 42. Wow. Al Horford, minus, trying to guard Jalen Brown. Come on, now. Yeah, and that's on Brown. Uh, and, and, you know, using using uh, see, using Ben Simmons out of place, you know he's got to play with the ball in his hands. You know, if he, especially if he's not making shots, you got to get you got to get him in the rhythm. So you got to have the ball in his hands. They they moving him off the ball. I just it just didn't. He didn't. He doesn't know his personnel. And I I, I feel like it seemed like T that the the inmates were running the asylum. Even if he tried to get it in their chest, they weren't paying attention. It didn't seem so. Uh, you know, you uh, can't uh, operate uh, like that. Let me interrupt you real quick with that one, Oh, please. Oh, please. Go right ahead. The, the, the absence of Ben Simmons, right? And I love these dudes who talk about Ben Simmons, right? But the absence of Ben Simmons, right? The Sixers had zero fast break opportunities during that series. When Ben yeah. gets the ball, there's no one faster in the league than Ben Simmons dribbling the ball. He, you know, That's what I'm saying. They gotta have he gotta have it in his right. hands. Right. Yeah. And, and the thing about Ben that people don't realize when we talk about Joel breaking down in the second half, Ben can run all day, every day, all day, True. every day. Like, like he was all over Tatum's behind this year, and that's why they beat the Celtics three to one. And the one game the Celtics won, you know, him and Joel weren't on the court, so he makes that much of a difference because either Jalen Brown. Uh, um, uh, you know, the young man from, from Charlotte, and I keep forgetting his name. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. They, they, he shuts one of them, those guys down. One of those three gets shut down. And with the loss, it's a different series. But I'm happy. Everyone in this city is happy that Brett Brown has finally departed. So what's the, the <laughs> ding, dong, ding dong of which is dead, literally and figuratively? My fault, T. I took you to No, oh, oh, God, hey, 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 look, I am not 
I am not going to get in front of two Sixer fans trying to do Sixer rehab. So no, I will not. I will not. I will. Not, that's you know. I I got I got my I got my own problems trying to figure out if uh, uh, when Tom Thibodeau goes running down Fifth Avenue naked saying get me the hell out of here. But that's that's a whole. That's. A, and you know what, T, one of the things I've heard uh, some people were complaining about how they do the lottery, and, you know, it's more show than anything else. A lot of people still think it's rigged. You know, you, what was eight teams oh, yeah. this year? Oh, I oh, mean, yeah. it, it, talk about oh, that yeah. because it, it it's it does have it doesn't have the the luster and it doesn't and, and just because these teams are in the lottery doesn't mean that they're gonna make the right picks uh, coming out in the first place. You're asking you're asking me uh, the team finished eighth. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, look, it's funny. It's funny when somebody prominent wins it. Then all of a sudden, everybody's you know whining about the cold one. For, you know, I mean, people still you know let it go, okay? Yeah. With 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 uh, eighty five, let it go. But that's you know. But again, you know what this what it is. But when some when 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 a non quote unquote glamour team wins it, then all of a sudden people say like, ah, the lottery isn't what I mean. They want it both ways. They want to be able to whine and moan, but then the teams that actually that need it to uh, help them win, it's, all, you know, nobody, all of a sudden everybody uh, whines about it. Um, look, it's been made for TV for quite a while, but, you know, it's, it's a hit or miss. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you get some whatever, but but, but it is what it is. It's, it's basically, um, for the most part, it's basically reading the uh, phone book on TV, except it's the NBA phone book, that's all. But um, right. you know, it's it's um, I, I I you know I hope for Minnesota sake that they're able to do something with it. And for all the Knicks fans that are whining, they still may get a good pick uh, at number eight. Right. You know, yeah. and then also I mean, and then also there, there could there could be trades and 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 what have you. But um, just to piggyback what you're saying. I would not give up on uh, Big Ben quite yet. I really wouldn't. I mean, you see, you see what happened with your with your with your boy Fultz, and they gave him the quick hook. Not, not, I know Ben has put in some more time, and there's still a lot of angst or whatever. But unless I'm getting like an automatic impact guy, or 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 a boatload of first round picks, I'm I'm you know. I I I I'm I'm way. I got to give him another at the very least another year. So if it's next year, everything is still the same. Then you maybe talk about it. But but also, his trade value right now is not going to be all that great because he's coming off an injury. But you know what though? Listen, make no mistake. I I love the kid. He's got extremes amount of talent. He could be the best. We've been talking about him. You know. Last couple of years, he put it together. He could be the best player in the game. He's got those type of skills. It, 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 my my only thing is now, okay, now Brown is gone. I don't want to make this the whole Sixer thing, but now that Brown is gone, you bring in somebody that can can coach him up and and get on him. You know, push him. You know, um, and the other thing too, Orlando, I think they really need to start looking at having. Uh, and it's not, but the, the Morris kid, like you said, probably is the best bet. Is someone with toughness, but someone who can, who can uh, make sure that they he, they've got, uh, you know, the big fellows back too. 
You know, we need a, a bona fide guy who could come in and be a stud off the bench, could rebound and give you some points and have his back because he has been injured, you know. Um, so, so we need to make sure we shore up that position too. Well, well, you know, I'll just I'll just throw this out there for you two guys. Uh, I, I know his name probably hasn't been mentioned, and uh, Mark Jackson. I'm just curious. Why not? I, I, I don't think so. I think he's been out of it too long. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see his philosophy mixing in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Musselman's been out of it too long, too, though. Musselman hasn't been around the NBA. For, but, I mean, he's been but, around but, it, but, but he ain't been coaching. Not, but it's Philly, New York. It's Philly, New York. So there's a there's a part of it. So Mark Jackson did something as a player that hasn't been forgotten by Sixers fans. And that's oh, when the Knicks really beat Sean Barkley in the, 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 the one. The broom? Yeah, with the broom. Yep, he had the broom. Oh, that will not be forgiven. It, that will not be forgiven. Now, wait a minute. Wait. No, Yo, but, is, that, is that no? Is that you not forgiving it, or are you saying the Philly no, base won't forgive no. it? No, we won't. We don't forget that. Knicks fans don't forget stuff. Celtics fans don't forget stuff. It could be yeah. from the seventies, and, and no, you're not gonna come here. You know, <laughs> Carmelo, could, Carmelo could have Carmelo would have worked with this team, but people did not want him on this team because wow. he was a Nick. Yeah, those old. Those wow. Old, you know what? Can I just throw another name out there? Uh, and again, I'm not just I'm not just throwing it up there, whatever, but. Um, Former Sixer himself, uh, Jerry Stackhouse. Hmm. And yeah, he's now he's got his assistant stuff in there now, uh, he's Orlando. He's he's he's, he's doing it. He's got the resume. And 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 back to that's an interesting one. And then uh, back to uh, Mark Jackson. Uh, I think also um, he he got the reputation around the league as being a little bit hard to deal with. Um, I, I I know I was talking with someone, and then and also that he was trying to push. I mean, this was uh, going back when he was actually putting that Golden State team um, together out there. But the the fact that he was pushing some of his religious beliefs and stuff well, on yeah, people well, and well, stuff. Well, and, let's, let's 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 be clear. He was not happy with I guess uh, the 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 gay person. That was part of the front office, and he made right. the bones about it, and that right. led to him getting fired. And to to a to a to a lesser extent, I don't want to say he's been blackballed, but um, but you know, T, the way that the NBA is going with this political correction, this social stuff, um, it, it, it push it infringing, if you will, your religious religious beliefs. You're probably going to get some form of re- reputation, maybe not blackball, but people are going to say, "Well, you know that incident in Golden State, you know that kind of thing." Find could more be ways a part of it. To, find more ways not to hire him, as opposed to whatever. Right. But but right. I, but but I was thinking about Stackhouse the other day only because he's you know he's basically you know. They always tell you, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you know, you know, get you, you know, make your bones, so to speak. And he's done it, I think, on both the college level and was was he still doing the uh, G League this past year? I forget, or is, or was he, or did he want? I forget. He was with, he was an assistant with a with an with a pro team this year. Uh, NBA. Yeah, Bye. he was, and I can't think of who it is. I can see his face on the bench. 
Memphis? Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I and, and I know in a sense getting your first job in a pressure cooker like that might not be the most, but, but I would think if nothing else, just for the time that he was there, he recognizes the fact, you know, he know, he knows what kind of folks he's dealing with fans, with the fan base and, and, and everything else. And, and Atlanta, what about, what about, and I don't know, I don't know contractually where he is right now. And certainly, you know, they on the, brink of getting eliminated, but Nate McMillan, I think he's an underrated guy. I think he's he can teach you, he could teach he could teach Ben a lot in terms of playing at playing at either the one or the two, I think. Um but you're not and guys get respect him. him. He has two no, I'm just saying right, he's not, okay. He's okay. Four years, mm. He's not gonna go. Um, I mean he, yeah. it is he he's to, a great he guy. You may have to give up Ben to get him. <laughs> yeah. I know, right. You know, Philly could certainly afford him. If they take Al Horford, I'll take him. Yeah, I don't think Horford's going to be back anyway, uh, unless they do they have to pay him and they keep him a year? Horford? No, I I, I think uh, maybe maybe you get Vladi Divac um, with with a a rounders. uh, uh, Was it Tommy KGB? Beat him in the car game late night? (laughs) <laughs> you know Please uh, play, play with the Oreo cookies You know Oh my god Jeez The views expressed here Are not necessarily You can um, email but Orlando But they But they make sense Orlando's address is 1313 Mockingbird Lane You can reach him there yeah. Send a hate mail there with the monsters, <laughs> but but listen, listen. One of the, the the one of the guys that I've always rooted for, I've always rooted for, who has shown he he can reach into the fountain of youth, and you said you know Sixers won't take him, is Mello. I mean, he's playing really he's playing really good ball on a Portland team that you know I'm, I'm not a big fan of their coach either, and they're outmanned really with with the Lakers. But but he's showing that he's still got some game in him. But I mean, I, I just wish he can get in a position where he's on a team where he get that ring. And I know T, I know you love him, and, and you want to get him that ring because Melo has put the time in. Some people don't like him, but I've always respected his game. He worked his ass off for all those years in New York when he had no help, and um, be nice. Yeah. And and that's you know the, the the sad thing is he he got more respect after he left New York than he did when he was there, and 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 right. and that and that, and that speaks. Volumes to how lousy uh, the Knicks organization is, but I, I don't. I don't want to go into all of that now. But but um, yeah, I mean it's it's. Let's put it this way. I could see him maybe getting in Ben's ear or one of or or even both Joel's ear because that's the thing with them. They're you know again, and, and I and I don't mean to belabor it. That that. 85 tip basket uh, from Kawhi seems like a thousand years ago now, and it was just last year. That's yeah. how. Right. That's how and, and 
And I, I think the I mean, we knew. Look this way. I thought going into the year that the Eastern Conference was theirs to win or lose. Even with even with Toronto, even with Milwaukee being there, even with Boston. But the the, the fact that they literally just thought that they could just show up and beat teams. That's a, you know yes the players take a take a hit but that's but again that's the biggest indictment for uh for for, for Mr Brown is that they they've regressed and even and see we all know in the NBA you get that three to five year window now they still got time they're not their their window is definitely not closed but if they don't take advantage within the next year or two. They'll become the, the, you know, they won't become the Clippers. It'll be worse. They'll become like they'll be like forty and forty every year. Yeah, and 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 Orlando Brown was. It, I think it really just came down to, like you said, and now you, the the X and O stuff. Now, when 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 I'm getting a little sidetracked, but you know when when they a lot of these so-called experts, these 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 racist people. Uh, that talk about Mike Tomlin, he's a rah-rah guy, but not an X and O guy. They want to say that about him, but they won't say it about Brett Brown. And we know he's not an X and O guy. And they, he didn't have any respect for the players. I don't think they respected him. You see, you can see even when they're losing Orlando and the game's late, whether it's regular season or playoff, they're just coming out dipsy-doing like they playing, you know, at record courts in, 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 in New York. You know what I'm saying? Like just playing, not, just not just getting out of all of their, remember, their plans. Yeah, remember, and their, remember, yeah remember, no respect. Remember, remember the playoff game where they caught one of the guys texting on the sidelines? Right, right. A couple of years, just I know it's a few years back, but still, though, just just that alone, you know, how how they say, well, that's just a bad look. Right, right, right. But it's salvageable. Well, it's, it's it's definitely uh, look. Got you've got building blocks. You've got to build around them. It, it's got now. Again, I, I'm I'm with I'm with. Oh, you really can't put this all on Brand's lap because Brand wasn't really there long enough. And to, and to be honest, it probably wouldn't be fair to get rid of him even if they don't if if if, if uh, at the end of next year this time if they still haven't um whatever. But the the, the blocks are there, you know. They, yeah. they they have to, you know, I don't know how much room they have on their cap or whatever, but you know, no money. Really? Oh wow, really? Oh okay. Well, look, look, but it, me and a, me and another Sixer fan, uh, oh, was saying, well, you know, leave it to a a Duke guy to come in here and and start messing stuff up. We anti Duke uh, people, so anyway, I digress <laughs> on that. Leave it to the Duke guy to come in here. But no, and in all seriousness, I, I I agree with you. I'm not saying that you know it's not his regime at this point. I mean, this is not he. This is the. Um, the remnants of the old GM. So I, I get that. I'm just saying that if it, if he doesn't, you know, you know, fix the things that need to be fixed and they still struggle, then he will be on the block uh, at, at some point. Um, speaking of which, I, you know, I, I was talking to a, um, a friend of mine in New Haven. He was talking about how, you know, we hate the Celtics, of course. And, you know, we were talking about, uh, talking to another friend that, who's a Celtics fan, 
And we were talking about, you know, that Celtic team, you know, as good as they were with their big three, they only won one title. I know they got to the finals and all that. But, um, and then this Celtic was fan of this traitor that he is, I guess, was saying, you know, Doc Rivers hadn't done anything either since then. And, then, you know, you look at Doc and what he's done with the Clippers. Um, is, is, is it a fair criticism, uh, T, that, you know, he got the one title, and certainly the Clippers, have, he's gotten there, and they've done a, a lot better in, in their recent history. But is it fair to say that he hasn't lived up to the Doc Rivers who got them that first championship in forever and got them to a finals, you know, against the Lakers that other time and, and really was an elite team, you know, for, like you said, okay. that three- to five-year window? Let me qualify this. Do you want me to answer as a as an as a neutral NBA analyst, or do you want me to answer as a uh, Celtic hating Nick fan? Both. <laughs> uh, how many times? You know, Bill Fitch won one title there too. So That's right. are, 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 are we calling Doc Rivers Bill Fitch? It's you know typical typical Celtic. You know, what have you done? You know, what you know, what have you done for me lately? It's like. You know, Doc Rivers got you to the finals twice. Brad Stevens has only been to the finals because he was an analyst. Hush. <laughs> Hush. 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 Do something first. Being the best team in the East doesn't, doesn't you know, being the best team in the East once doesn't guarantee you anything. Right. Right. Well, what, what do you say about that, Orlando, in terms of, you know, Doc Rivers and – his career, you know, overall, again, as Tony said, two finals appearances, one championship, they were, they were an elite team, you know, in that run they had with the big three. Um, you see what he's doing with the Clippers. What, what do you, what do you say about Doc Rivers? Uh, I like Doc. I, I think, um, he's in LA. I mean, he's on the West coast. Uh, his running in Boston, it worked. I mean, he got two championships. He's done better than Brad. Again, like I say, Brad Stevens has not impressed me. The only coach that I see that he's outcoached in the NBA is Brett Brown. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, seriously, guys, look at him. Yeah, he, yeah. he can outcoach yeah. Brett Brown, but that's the only team. Watch what happens to them when they play Toronto and he has to go against Nick Nurse. Watch that matchup between those two. Let's see who gets the better. When Brad Stevens had Kyrie Irving and they had high expectations, just like the Sixers were this year, what did they do with Kyrie Irving? Marcus Smart was ready yeah. to left. Terry Rozier left that place, right? So the, the, the Celtics have not been able to really do – I mean, the, the drafting of Jalen Brown, is more impressive than the drafting of Jason Tatum because no one thought they got a lot of heat for drafting Jalen Brown out of out of uh, California as as a as a freshman because he came right. out and people thought that he was a bust because he can't shoot but that athleticism right. but this is the same GM and Danny Ainge that drafted the kid Williams out of Mississippi State who hasn't right. done anything who who, daft, who drafted Taco. Uh, uh, just for GP, you know. Um, so, and and he let he let Morris go to the Knicks. 
Um, so, and and to get Kimball Walker, which is nice, but that Kimball Walker is not a good pick for Boston when you figure the size. Um, but so I, I don't give them credit. Uh, but the question was uh, Doc uh, about Doc. And, I mean, he's in that ultra-competitive Western Conference. So he had a mutt that everyone sees as a mutt that jumped over cars and won donkey contests like he's at the playground, and that's all he can do. <laughs> and he's uh, gone. Yeah, he's in, the, he's in Detroit, and he can't even will Detroit to – to the playoffs, not a championship. Right. Get them to the playoffs. Right. So, um, I think he's cool. Um, I think he's cool. I don't think they win this year. I don't think the Lakers win this year. Honestly, I don't see an LA team winning this year. And, and call me hater, but I don't see it because I I see Dallas or Utah coming out of the West. I, I've been saying Dallas forever. Utah's kind of. You know, they, I don't know, that Denver series, but it, I've been saying Dallas, but especially the, uh, to me, the, like I said, the Clippers are not defensively, they've let me down. They're not getting well, it done. Let's just come right out and say it. Luka, Luka Donjic is, is whipping their ass. Yeah. yeah. Donjic is whipping their ass as a team. Right. He's, I mean, right. just on, you know, and, and, and the thing about he's white, it is, he's the white AI. He's the white AI. Like how AI just put a team on the, on his back. That's literally, what literally, yeah. literally. And 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 and, and with a bad ankle the other night. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now and now and now it's the best two out of three. And, and again, just you know, now granted, you know, there's no home field advantage here. But hey, how can you how can how can you not be uh, a little leery? Of of what of what's going on here uh, with with the kid and and the scary thing with him, I don't even think he's tapped. I don't even think he's has tapped into his full potential yet. That's he's only twenty one, right? Isn't he twenty one? He's overweight. Yeah. Wait a minute. Let me, let me ask you gentlemen this. So, I got accused of calling Tobias Harris the ghost and Casper, but I think Tobias is, is you know, Casper had an uncle that used to like bully him around as a ghost, and I've identified that, that Uncle Ghost, and that <laughs> Uncle Ghost is Paul George. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Paul George is well, Paul George is, is Casper. I mean, Casper's an yeah. uncle. Like, yeah, no, I've been saying, look, Paul George is a nice little player, but peanut butter sandwich in the playoffs. I, I mean, I, I did, he did it in Indiana. I, I'm just – I'm not a big Paul George fan. I mean, he, he, you're right. He, you where know, is he? The sad, the, sad, the, sad, the sad thing with him, and I, I never thought I would say this, but, you know, um, who was the kid that uh, backed up Marino uh, last – oh, uh, uh, Scott Mitchell. And he literally parlayed – Oh, God. He literally parlayed that into uh, into into basically be, um, into basically handing the ball off to uh, Barry Sanders. That was that was just significant. You know, other other than that, that was the most significant thing in, in in his career. But it's just so crazy that you know George's game has just gone that way. And see, this is his time of the year. Right. You know, he's supposed to be playoff Paul. I mean, he's you know. At, at 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 this point in time, right now, I'm not sure if if uh, if uh, uh, Carlton is breaking into his house and messing his stuff up. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, and and see that team as a whole, and and that's how we, the three of us got onto the, the when I was talking earlier in the day, got onto the conversation about disappointment about the Clippers and the Celtic fan. Well, you know, he didn't really and all this other bull crap, you know. But you know, they, I, I, it's just it, it's one of those things. It seems, guys, that they put a lot of talent together, and they just they never really gelled defensively. Like they never. Got it right. And Dallas is getting any shot they want. Not just him, but, like, everybody's just getting their shot. Everybody getting a shot. And you can't go even, you know, the Lakers may not win, but the Lakers going to beat them if they, if they were to meet because, you know, they got the, the, the big fella in the middle is going to change shots, and they'll play defense when they need. LeBron's going to do what he does. They can't, if they're not going to play defense, they won't forget this year. They need to step it up, you know, going into next year defensively. They got to get it done. Um, and I'm with the two of you, I'm assuming. I know, Orlando, you said that. I'm assuming you, T, that the East is going to win. It don't matter who's coming out of the East to me, out of those top three. I think all three of those can beat anybody in the West, in my opinion. It's, you know, because, you know, the the the, the, the thing with me, with the, with the Lakers, they sort of remind me, of the Bulls in the sense of at some point they all just sort of sit back and wait for LeBron to win it for them. Yeah, and that's true. That's 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 you know he you know as great a player as he is, there's some nights he can do it, but they, but he can't do it every night. I mean, you know, LeBron's got some age on him now. This was the whole yeah. reason of bringing in Davis and see Davis now now. Now he hasn't gone full milk carton like uh, Danny Green, but it's, it's <laughs> Danny Green. It's it's look, and and we know that they're without uh, Beasley, but you know what? Portland's without Trevor Ariza, so that's, that's right. So, so that, that 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 cancels. It. Look, it comes down to the bench. It comes down to their bench, and if their bench does not come through, I mean. It, it, if I hear, you know, I, I, I'm I'm already sick and tired of the Kyle the Kyle Kuzma hype. I'm not I'm not buying it anymore. Right. I, I, can't, right. I can't. I can't. I I just really can't. Maybe I should probably stop watching the games on the Laker Network too. But that's that's a whole that's that's a whole other. See, I just can't do. I get tired of TNT after a little while. Yeah. Let me let me ask Orlando this: If if Portland just runs the Lakers. I know they down now, but if they had just run the Lakers, that's why I said they're, they're not well coached, in my opinion. Just kept running.